Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Hey, it is Monday night. We're in the middle of January. Welcome to the Wise Guys, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. We have got an awesome show tonight. This is the number one global live stream show for BYU sports. Uh, and we love it. Yeah. And Monday we don't night mind is, saying that. It's family night and we're all family, right? Exactly. We're all part, we're all part of the BYU family. Look and, at that. Uh, We've already got folks saying hello right out of the gate. Yes. I love it. Ruthie. Well, hey, Ruthie, in quick, um, uh, Bobby, Bobby beach you this time, Bobby Gardner beat you, but Ruthie's always in there real quick. Um, we appreciate all those folks. Listen, Alan Blacker, um, out there and, and Marcy, of course, with him, Lake Winnipesaukee. And, and I know that those words came off of Bill Murray's tongue at some point in meatballs or one of the old movies that he was in that he was going to Lake Winnipesaukee. Or Groundhog Day or Maybe something Groundhog like that. Day. I don't know when it was, but he was going to Lake Winnipesaukee. So, Vegas is always in the house with Dr. Ketch. Yeah, BYU Sports Attic always with us from Farmington. We're so glad to, to have our loyal folks from all around the state of Utah, all around the United States, and all around the world. If Vegas is in the house, so we always wait to see when does Panama join in? When Singapore, does the Philippines come Philippines. and join us? When does Japan join up? Corey, where are you, my brother? So um, we, we, we love having all of you. Whether you're in the state with us, you're someplace else, we welcome you. Make sure that you follow us on YouTube. Um, we always put the link in the chat. Um, hit subscribe. It's free. We're also live on Facebook, Twitch, ysguys.com. And especially be sure to uh, to uh, subscribe at ysguys.com because then you're going to get our weekly email. Our weekly email is awesome. It's highlights from yes. the show, video clips from our interviews, uh, and then our whole roster uh, we've almost been on the air for two years now, so our whole roster is there with some fascinating interviews from Steve Young to Sherry Dew and a whole lot in between at YSGuys.com. It is really one of the coolest sites. We say that one because it's ours. Uh, but two, um, if you're a BYU fan and you, you go there and you see all the interviews we've done, all you have to do is just click on the name and it pops up. There's some fascinating people there, we've had There's in no show. place in the world where you can go get that lineup of guests. And... and we don't have them on for five minutes. We have them on for 45 minutes, sometimes for an hour, sometimes in Marie Osmond's case, two hours. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're very right? flexible. And so so you get some in-depth stuff that you don't get anyplace else. And people always ask me, man, you guys have had some amazing guests. Like, who's your favorite? And I think for a minute, I'm like, wow, you know, I really liked, I really liked when Danny was on. But you know what? Jimmer's was really good. And But but you know what? I really, really loved when we had, like, and I start going and, I, and you know what I've decided? They're all good. I have like, 30 favorites or yeah. more. There's something good in, in each one of them. My, my very favorite is Libby Lloyd. Yeah, well, of course, as yeah. it should be. Yeah, which is my daughter, and she, so she's my very favorite. Although we did have my son Kellen on, too. Yeah, well, now you're going to have to work but, that one out But of the I house. didn't get to sing with Kellen. I got to sing with Libby, which was a real so treat. So that put her to number one. Yeah, it just it jacked her up a, a couple of notches. Here's what we got going on on the show tonight. BYU football adds a tight ends coach. A big name with a lot of NFL experience. We'll talk about that. And ties to BYU, yeah. which, which lots of people are like, where's this guy from? And ties to BYU, we'll talk about that. Um, how about Puka last night in their playoff game? He went nuts. Phenomenal. 
which he's done all season long, and that's a great story. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Hoops gets their first win in the Big 12 with a big game tomorrow, which would be Tuesday. And former BYU big man Eric Mika is going to join the Wise Guys. He's going to make his Wise Guys debut here in a few minutes. Yep. We're looking forward to that. Be great. We had him on the air with us uh, in, in one of our pregame shows. Yeah. He was phenomenal, and, and uh, uh, he'll, he'll let us know what he thinks about this BYU team. And he's still in the mix of playing, sure. so he'll fill us in on what's going on because he's been out – with an injury that's almost healed. So he's going to fill us in on what the next plan is. He's been playing professionally. It's not time for him to stop playing professionally no, yet. No. So he'll fill us in on all he's doing. Um, hey, the show has returned to the Smithfield house. You know, it's not technically called the show, but we can call it the show. Oh, it's the we, show. We don't have any affiliation with the Aztec no, student section. It's, it's the big show on campus talking about men's volleyball. If you haven't been to a men's volleyball game in the Smithfield house, um, you are missing out because it is one of the great environments in all of college sports, period. Not not just in college volleyball. It's 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 amazing. So hey, hey, Ed, Ed, why was Ed always been rubbing into us that he's in short sleeves and it's fifty nine degrees cold in St. George while we're dying? Thanks, Ed. Thank so, you. Sean Olmstead, by the we're way. We're glad to have you on. Volleyball coach Sean Olmstead is going to be with us here in studio in just a bit tonight as they get ready for uh the season's underway and they've got uh Home, couple of home matches against Princeton. That's their next time they're at the field house. That's just around the corner. So, Sean Olmstead, he might be the coolest coach on campus. You're like with your, you're the volleyball coach. Yeah. You come in. You're 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 half from California. You're a beach guy. Life's good. Yeah. You got a good team. You fill the place. It, and he's That's like and living he's, the dream. He's one of the and they're not in the Big Twelve because they're in a better league than the Big Twelve. Yeah. It's it's the one sports program at BYU that said. You know, we probably need to stay where we're at because we're in the most elite league in, in volleyball. And when they have a reloading year, like they did last year with tons of young players, yeah, they're only expected to be in the top 10. When they have a veteran team, they're expected to compete for a national championship every year, and that's the bar. And that's what Sean has built here, so we're really excited to have Sean on with us. Let's get to our headlines tonight on the Wise Guys. Uh, Off-season conditioning drills are underway for the football team. Every now and then they tweet out some video of them running back and forth and lifting weights. Spring practice drills, we'll call them. Um, They're underway. We're waiting on the Big 12 schedule. It's mid-January. They said it'd be out in mid-January. Remember remember last year, though, that they were like a month late? Yeah. Remember this year they came out and they said, because we were so late, we're not going to be late this year. But now we are. We're in the middle of January, so maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be this yeah, week. I, let's hope it's this week because I'm excited to see who's on that schedule. Um, we have an idea of what teams. We just don't know what order. Right. So now Let me um, get the order, er, then I'll set it. Yeah, get, er, get earlier, this, earlier this week with you on Sports Nation. Yep. Um, or was it last week that we did this? Last week. Well, we, today's Monday, so last Yeah, it was week. last week we built our, our schedules, the yeah. way we wanted to see it roll out, which was kind of fun to think ahead. And to everyone's football. got it uh, Utah Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, of course. question. Is that going to happen? We don't know. Yeah, we're going to find out, though. And, and we're yeah. eager to, once that schedule comes out, we'll totally break it down. Yeah, who do you, who do you want them not to play? Well, we already know who they're not going to play. Yeah. I love the fact that they're going to play Arizona in Provo now that Arizona's coach has gone to Washington. Right. I love that. Yeah. And maybe he's taking half his team with him. You and I were talking about this earlier today. I was saying, you know what? I was starting to lean toward Arizona being the favorite in the Big 12 next year. Yeah. With everybody they had back and the coaching staff intact, they were a young, really talented team that peaked last year. And then everything just changed this week. When, when he takes that job at Washington. Takes half and, his staff. And you know that that phenomenal quarterback, Fafita, is going to go to Washington with him. To at least we think. Unless he comes to BYU. Nice. Um, but 
And and how many players are going to go? It's going to be like um, when Oklahoma's coach goes to USC. Yeah. You know, he takes 19 guys with him, right? That's what you do and, now. And, and guess what's going to happen when DeBeer goes from Washington to Alabama? He's going to take a bunch of guys to Bama with him. That was a really good Washington team. And so there's going to be a bunch of players they are going to go follow their coach to Washington because he's going to take his coordinator and all those folks with him. So all of a sudden, Arizona is not my favorite to win the league next year. Now i got to really think about this. Yeah. I'm not sure. It might be Kansas State. I don't know. Some of it might depend on how the schedule shakes out. Yeah, Who's playing that's who true. and where. That's true. Uh, and when. So yeah. that's, a, that's a great discussion. We'll have this whole offseason. Yep. One discussion uh, that we'll have tonight that answers uh, an opening that we've been talking about for a while. What's BYU going to do at the tight end coaching spot? And they've hired Kevin Gilbright. And when I saw that come across, my first thought was, Kevin Gilbright of the NFL? And the answer was yes. Yeah, it's like, really? Yeah. So what yeah. do we know about this guy? So um, he, he came to BYU. His dad is a legendary coach, an offensive mind that, that coached in the National Football League for years. And I was also known as a great offensive mind in college football. Um, so and, and back at that time, remember, BYU was, I mean, this is the place. If you were a quarterback and you wanted to throw the football, there was no other place. Like BYU was quarterback U. So so back in, in 98, um, he comes to BYU as a freshman quarterback. And when things kind of started to fall out and he saw that he wasn't going to be the guy, he transferred to Hawaii. But he spent a year here, understands the culture here, understands the history, um, the the offensive reputation, um, which I think is great. But but then he's you know he's coached twelve years in the NFL. He's been with the Panthers. He's been with the Bears. He's been with the Giants. Um, he comes to BYU as you mentioned from from Charlotte um, in the American Athletic Conference um, in the American Conference. He um, he's a second generation offensive guru, offensive mind. Loves the passing game. Former quarterback. Nice to have another. Like think about it. On the offensive staff, what player played quarterback? None. Yeah. You know, it's nice to have somebody on the staff, even if he's coaching the tight ends. That's, that's thought like a quarterback that, that said, listen, I bet, you know what? Been in that situation. I remember what that looks like. It was it was really nice for me. Now, remember, when I was playing, Norm Chow was calling the plays. Um, but but sometimes Norm Chow would say something to me, and I would just look over at Mike Holmgren, and Mike would go, come over here. And he'd go, listen, I know exactly what you're seeing, and I know how you're feeling. I've been there. Like, what I remember, you know, I remember when I was a freshman and getting into a game, and it looked like that to me. It's just nice to have somebody that can go. I stood in those shoes. I felt the same kind of pressure. I saw what you're trying to see from the field level, and this is what I did to get better. So, in addition to really being a great offensive mind and understanding tight ends and having coached tight ends and all of that, I love the fact that he played quarterback. I think it's great. You know, I, the, the armchair quarterbacks are. Those of us that sit there and watch from, with all the camera angles, and we're going, why can't? How is it possible that quarterback did not see that that guy was wide yes. open? It's <laughs> so he's running wide open. What kind of quarterback? This and I was thinking of. I was watching some of the Steelers game earlier today, and and the Steelers quarterback was off to an awful start. And I'm thinking to myself, as a guy who's never played in the NFL, I'm like. Dude, how can you not see that? That guy's open. Yeah, and you think they can see the whole field, and the great ones kind of have a sense. But but every once in a while, um, it was it was. There's a read where you where you go. Okay, if the safety does this, 
take away that half of the field. We're doing a strong read. And so if that safety runs this way, you've got a strong read, and you're going one, two, three over here on the strong side, depending on what they do. No. And all of a sudden, somebody's running wide open free on the left side, and everybody's like, well, I can't even see him. Shouldn't he just look over it, there? It's, it's not in his read, yeah. right? And quarterbacks that have played there know, hey, no worries. Or they may say, hey, you know what you want to do on this play? Just at the snap of the ball, take a peek. And, and if this guy does this, you could actually read it weak side. And then once you've confirmed that, go to the strong side. That's the little thing I always did just to make sure I don't miss a wide open guy. Um, so I think I think it'll be great to have him help. Now, Matt also works with the tight ends, the, the offensive analyst who's really – with the, with the quarterbacks who's really, really good with quarterbacks. Having another guy on the offensive staff that played that position and really knows how these quarterback feels, I think is great. And it's great for recruiting quarterbacks as well. And his family heritage – and his experience in the NFL gives him a lot of credibility in recruiting players. So there you go. So they got their tight ends coach. They got their offensive line slash running game coordinator yeah. coach. They're good to go, ready for for March and spring practice. And it'll be fun to see uh, everybody back out there. All right, uh, live streamers, tell us what you think of Puka Nakua's debut season. Oh, my goodness. In the NFL. In the in the football game against Detroit, which would be last night, Sunday night, nine catches for 181 yards and a touchdown. They lost by one, so their season's over. But he was phenomenal from start to finish in his NFL rookie season. He sets the rookie record for most yards in a playoff game, the rookie record for most receptions in a season, 105, the rookie record in receiving yards, 1,486. We're going to have much more football later in the show, but we want to talk about Puka for a moment because that's what everybody's thinking. And you get some of the thoughts immediately in there. Puka, insane, so proud of him. He, uh, he, did, he is beyond the expectation of maybe everyone but himself. Um, he lasted the whole year. He played banged up, and he was phenomenal. I, I don't know how, like, I think you're right. I think that not a single person, you know, Fessy knew he was going to be a good NFL guy. We, we said, I said, we're, we said he's going to make the team. He's going to be a starter in that league. We said that. But we weren't sure he'd get drafted. But, Remember, we're like, but Whoa. we had nobody. Yeah. Like, this is transcendent. Like, he's, he's the best rookie wide receiver in the history of the game. Which is crazy when you think of some of the guys that have come into the game and been receivers. Um, Randy Moss made all the noise. Puka beat all his yards and catches. He's the best rookie wide receiver in the history of the National Football League. Yardage, receptions, yards in a playoff game. Like, it's it's nuts what he did this season. Yeah. And so, no. did Anybody that says, yeah, this is what I predicted, like, can we just call them out? They're lying. Nobody no. predicted this. You know, it helped him that Cooper Cup went down with that injury. Right. Uh, which shifted some of the offense to him. But did you notice... And certainly last night in the playoff game, Cooper Cup was back and has been back for weeks now. But the offense still goes through Puka. Even that last play where he was interfered with, absolutely, and late hit on that they didn't call. Pick, pick one. Somebody tweeted that out. Pick one of these yeah, three. That was a calls. funny tweet. Uh, where you know that that was the season right there. He makes that catch, and I'm sure that he thinks he's responsible for it. But he had all those things going on uh, that would have put him in field goal position and and probably won the game. But but even there on the last play, the Rams went to Puka, and and there's a he's so physical, and we saw that in college. Do you remember that Baylor game a few years ago when BYU was really struggling yeah. to get anything going, except Puka? No they matter no matter him. what they did or no matter who they put on him. 
He just threw the ball up to Puka, and he went and took the ball away from the defenders. And it's that, at that time, we're like, wow, this is one of the most physical receivers BYU's ever had. He reminded us of Austin Collie. At that, we're like, yeah. it's like Austin. He just goes and he's just more physical than the DBs. And the the thing that that has gone underrated with Puka is his ability to get separation is a combination of that strength, but his his acceleration. I don't know his top end speed. Like when you time him. Um, is not indicative of his speed on the football field. And then his top-end speed does not relate or correlate the way it normally does for a person with their ability to accelerate out of a break. Like, his ability to accelerate out of the break and get get separation, especially if he's coming out of contact, and they're not supposed to hit these guys, but they do, it's it's the best. He's one of the best in the game, period. And so they know, in a play like that one last night, Unless the guy wraps his arms around his waist and holds onto his shirt so he can't jump. Physically, if you throw the ball in the right spot, he's just going to go beat the DB and make the catch, and that was a first down. Instead, he gets held, which should have been an obvious call, and, and you know, game over, basically. Yeah. But his that combination of physicality and ability to accelerate out of a break is as good as anybody in football. Hey, the Rams the Rams lost. Their season's over. They got a team that can contend next year. They're young. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Neil's in from Tucson. Jonathan's in from Henderson, Nevada. Thanks, guys. Good to have you on the Wise Guys. Let's get into some hoops before Eric Minka joins us in a moment. And we'll have more football later on in the show. Yes. Uh, BYU, 13-3. and 1-2 in the Big 12. They're number 20. In the AP Top 25 out today, the net ranking is five. That's the ranking that uh, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses. 68 teams get in the big dance. So if your net's five, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's you're, you're, <laughs> you're in, in good shape. You're in great shape. Ken Palm, uh, they're number 11. Joe Lenardi has them as a five seed. And there's an interesting thing. The remaining strength of schedule, BYU's number 16 in the country, which is the easiest of the other 13 Big 12 teams. They're all in front of BYU. Yeah. Yeah, it's That's nuts. It's kind of crazy to think of. And and BYU's their their ability to get as high as they are in all of the metrics as early as they are. And we've talked about this in past weeks. Really is really good for them because now they're in a league that even when you lose, the teams you're playing, their net and their Ken Palm and their well and, and flat out AP and, and coaches ratings are so high that you don't get dinged for a loss, especially for a loss on the road. You you maybe lose ground and what we saw, well, they drop a couple of spots. The the fact that they've lost twice this last week and they're still net five tells you all you need to know about this league. And, and I don't know if you saw Mark Pope's post game where he was mic'd up in the post game yeah. after and after they won that game at Central Florida. He came to the locker room and he just said, "Isn't this awesome? Don't don't you love to just compete at this level where every game is a dogfight and and you just go out and you just have to be fearless and not really even think about the result. You think about being who we are and competing and and then there's going to be games where they're going to come out and if you go nine and nine in this league, in fact, you know if BYU goes seven and eleven in this league, they're a single digit seed in the NCAA tournament. If if they start out the WCC conference play one and two, they already would have dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. So well, this is this is great. They're very much on the earth. Mark Pope picks up his one hundredth win in that victory at Central Florida. We congratulate him and his staff. Um, couple of observations now as we get ready for Iowa State tomorrow night, January 16th. Ali Khalifa is the starting center moving forward, 
Right. 17 points against UCF. His ability to hit the three means that someone has to guard him, and then his ability to hit the cutting man to the basket because the guy down low is out guarding him makes that offense run better. And I would have never thought that was the case when we sat in practice during the summer thinking, uh, okay, Foose is going to have to be Superman for this team. Now, Foose, his role's changed with this team because this is a run-and-gun three-point shooting team, and he's not a run-and-gunner. And now he's got to work his way back in. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because without Foos, they kind of had to make an adjustment to change the style of play, right? They, they had to um, go to where they run a lot more motion on the outside, four out and one, and, and one post player, but that one post player plays primarily high. You know, where he, he and once in a while you'll see uh, Khalifa down on the low block and he'll catch one down there. But he's more comfortable coming out, setting a, a pick for a pick and roll, or coming out and catching the ball high and having the ball in his hands and being the decision maker with a dribble handoff or, or you know, there as, as a running player's by him and back cutting. That's where he's comfortable. So they've morphed into this team. And what they found out is they're unbelievably efficient when they run the offense that way. So now Foos comes back in and it's very apparent they're trying to figure out how to integrate him back in to what they're doing. You can see it. It's like visibly like, oh, Foose isn't quite sure what his role is supposed to be offensively. And the other players aren't quite sure. Do they go back to in, when he's in the game to, to throwing the ball down into the post, waiting for the double team and kicking it and rotating the ball? Um, and I think the answer is he looked a lot better in Central Florida and a lot more comfortable than he did at Baylor. Um, and a lot more comfortable at Baylor than he did. So I think they need to learn to play both ways, depending on who's in the game, because there's going to be games. When t- I think about Houston coming coming to Provo um, with all the length and athleticism they have on the perimeter. They may just take away BYU's ability to shoot threes. BYU's going to have to be able to throw it down into the post, and they're going to and and Foos is going to need to demand a double team to get that team in rotations so you can kick the ball back out and get those threes you want to get. I think they need to learn how to do both. I think they, they've made some progress, but it's very obvious that Foose was out long enough that they adjusted the way they were playing, and now they've got to adjust back to when he's in the game. Let's ask uh, another big man. Yes. Uh, our first guest was a dominant center at BYU. Scored 29 points, grabbed 17 rebounds in the Cougars' 2017 upset at number one Gonzaga. He's on the mend, expected to resume his professional career in the G League here in a week or so. Our pleasure to welcome Eric Mika to the Wise Guys. We've been planning this for some time, and tonight it has come to pass. Eric, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And I don't, I don't know, Eric, if, see you guys. if you were listening in, like, the nice part about Eric is he can do both what Ali does and what Foose does, yeah. which makes Eric There you go. There you go. I like Eric to hear special, that. I like to right? hear that. It makes Eric special because Eric can go down and play with his back to the basket, but he's athletic enough to come out and play with the ball in his hands and face up and do all that. That's why he's played professionally for so many years and why he, you know, why he's in the G League. It's nice to have somebody that can do both of those things. Eric's a guy that can do it both. So what would you do, Eric, as you're trying to balance Khalifa and Traore in this, uh, in this scheme, and they're two very different centers? Yeah, I mean, it's really, really hard. We actually kind of touched on, on that when you and I spoke last week with Jerem, Dave. Yeah, on um, Sports Nation. And, and a story that came to mind uh, that I didn't share, but that, that just comes to mind again is when I got hurt. So 
I'm going to get, I, I wouldn't know the dates, but it was against San Diego. Um, so it was in conference and I got pump faked by, by this shooter. I can't remember his name. Um, he pump faked me in the corner and I went sailing over him and he kind of went up, you know, so he could get the, get the shot technically off and get his three free throws. Um, and I came toppling over him, landed on my hip, and my leg went numb. My left leg went numb. Um, so I remember I, I was out for probably two or three games, but it was very, very short period of time. And I came back. My first game back, I think, was against Santa Clara at Santa Clara. And that was like the first time, you know, it was a real freshman moment. I had a lot of those that year. But it was the first time that I had ever kind of lost my role, you yeah. know, that quickly. You know, that that's how quickly the guys had to adjust. They had to move on. They had to say, okay, we don't have Eric. We can't rely on what, you know, we relied on him previously for. And so guys need to step up. Guys need to play a little bit differently. And and it was a real, real tough stretch for me trying to insert myself back into that rotation in an effective way and kind of get back to my game, get back to that groove that we had before the injury. Um, so, you know, I just want to preface it by saying it's not easy. You know, you're trying to win every single game you want. Obviously you want all your guys taken care of. You want everyone to look good. You want everyone to feel good and everyone to have an opportunity to, you know, I I, I would guess all these guys want to play at the next level. Right. But at the end of the day, you're trying to win games as a team today. Right. So they obviously did a really, really good job um, of that. They figured it out. They said, okay, we don't have Foos for X amount of time. Uh, I'm sure they were conservative in bringing him back so that he wouldn't re-injure himself. The big stepped up in a big way, uh, and the team figured it out. So I said this last week as well. It's a good problem to have. Um, you want to have so many options that, that you're trying to fit them all in. Um, and I think it's just going to take time. I think it's going to be matchups. I think... Pope and his and his staff are going to have to look from a game to game standpoint. Okay, where do we need like like you guys were talking about? Where do we need to generate a little bit more offense going inside out versus the other way around? Where where are teams picking up and adjusting on how we play with Ali, and 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 so they're picking on him for X, Y, and Z. Therefore, we need to generate something out of the post or or create mismatches and and draw those double teams. All all those things. Like I said. At the end of the day, it's a good problem to have, and I think it's just going to take time. It's going to take time, and it's going to be a game-to-game basis. Eric Mika is with us here on The Wise Guys. Uh, Let's get a health update on you. Let's start with that. Uh, What's your timetable for getting back with Ignite in the G League? Hopefully just a couple weeks. Um, I'm running on this, this machine called the Alter G that will uh, let you run on, you know, 50% of your body weight, and so... We started that a couple of weeks ago and we've ramped it up to about eight, five percent. So pretty close. I mean, I would hope that next week is is close to 100 percent. And then it's just a, a response um, game from there. You know, how does it respond to running 100 percent? OK, now we can put some contact in there. How does the knee respond to that? OK, let's go play full practice and, and on and so forth. So I think we're close. I think it's we're looking at a number of, of um, weeks, um, but I'm I'm really excited. It's been been a long long season just sitting there on the sideline it is not very fun when you don't get a you don't get a contribute you know and you like working with us but you much rather 
be be playing, obviously. Yes. Ignite um, is based in <laughs> Henderson, Nevada, that metro Las Vegas area. Um, Dave's really familiar, was a sports anchor and a news yeah. anchor down there forever and ever. What's it like playing in the G League? You know, we had a game today. It finished like two hours ago. Um, we played against the Stockton Kings, who are the affiliate with the Sacramento Kings. That's where I was for a season. Right. And they only had nine guys, I think, today, you know, because there, there, there's so much up and down um, of the two ways. You have assignment guys down. Um, who knows? Maybe someone was sick. Someone got cut. The, the G League is is so unique in that you can have a, a roster of eight or nine guys that will come and kick your tail. Uh, but then I was looking, and, and that's what they did today, but then I was looking at their roster. All nine of them have, have played NBA minutes, like a lot of NBA minutes. Some of them, uh, three or four of them, were, were rotation guys for different teams at different points. You know, So you have current guys, you have guys that are on their way up, you have guys that, that have been there and then, you know, for a number of reasons, are just trying to make their way back. So the G League is loaded with talent, lo- absolutely loaded with talent. So um, it's it's been really cool to be part of that um, sort of journey for the G League because I, I do think it was strong through four seasons ago when I was there with Stockton, but it's gotten even better. I mean, exponentially better year after year. So it's a lot of fun. Um, night in and night out, you see some some really good professionals. I think it's the the second most talented league in the world. Scott Mackey from Drummond, Montana. The Mackeys are on the Wise Guys tonight. Check it in as we continue our global live stream. Um, we're with Eric Mika, um, former Cougar, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, wiseguys.com, our weekly podcast available tomorrow. BYU beats UCF Saturday by 5. There are 15 more games to go in the Big 12 before the tournament. Starting with Iowa State tomorrow night, Tuesday, in Provo. Where do you think the Cougars go from here? I think we get this. I mean, first and foremost, it's a it's a tough, tough league, and you have to just take it one day at a time. You know, I I, I get the speculation. I get people making predictions and constantly checking. You know, kind of the pulse of of the program and what people are saying about it. Like, I I think it's awesome. I understand it, but I'm sure the team and I'm sure the staff collectively are just looking at it one game at a time, one day at a time. You know, what can we do today to get better? To to give us the best possibility um, for a good seed come March. Like obviously their mind is on March and, and the big dance, but all they can do is, is um, focus on themselves, get better and, and take it one day at a time. Um, I think we go and get this, this win. I know Iowa state is another very, very good team, um, but we let that Cincinnati game slip at home. And, and I like the way that, that, that we've been responding to things all season. So I do see us responding, getting our first home win, and kind of keeping getting this momentum back and going like we had it uh, before the conference. You know, th- this is uh, um, a team that, or a league that fans, they see them go dominate in the preseason, and then they think, well, now they should just they should just go dominate in the Big Twelve. Expectations right. are this is a this is a single digit seed. They're they're in the net. They're number two. Were they number one for a time? They were, did they ever get to number one? I can't remember, but. Um, how do you function if you're a player on that team, if you're coaching staff on that team? You talked about, hey, we got, but there's so much outside noise about expectations and what everybody thinks they should do. How do you focus and keep that out of play and just grind as a player? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think uh, maybe this is a, a little bit out of left field, but 
I think we're able to handle that and we're built well for that because of how deep we are as a team. You have a lot of guys that on any given night can step up and, and have themselves a game. And, and that's important because it doesn't matter the age, you know, in college, pro, high school, whatever the level, like that outside stuff, I don't care what anyone says, it gets to you. You know, at, after so much of it and after all the attention that this team has been getting, I'm sure they feel the pressure sometimes. Um, and, and, and that's normal. So I do think um, their depth is a saving grace in that aspect. They have a lot of guys that, you know, maybe you are feeling the pressure. Maybe you are, you know, off a little bit one night. It's okay. We have someone else that's going to step up to the plate. So that's that's a huge deal. And, you know, like you said, grinding, you know, to me, when I visualize the, the word grinding, I visualize kind of your head in the sand. You know, I, I said, yes, you're going to hear some of those things. When there's so much of it, it's impossible to keep all of it out. But as long as you just keep your head down and keep working, then, you know, the, the positives, the, the negatives, the ups, the downs, eventually they're, they're just going to sound like white noise. Um, and so as long as these guys trust in each other uh, and, and, and their abilities to, you know, help each other as teammates and, and that depth that I'm talking about and that they focus on just getting better, right, improving because that's what the rest of the conference is doing. I can guarantee that, you know, game to game, they're going to be improving. They're going to be, you know, working on every little thing possible to gain an edge over this BYU team. And and so as long as we have the attitude of, well, we're going to do that too, then we're going to be fine. Eric Mika's with us. You beat number one Gonzaga in 2017. So let me ask you, what was a better feeling? That night, winning that game on ESPN, or the night you won the national championship, the Max Preps title in 2013 with the Lone Peak Knights? I, I want to lean towards the Gonzaga game and not just because I'm on a BYU show. Um, <laughs> yeah, this I, isn't a lone I, peak I, show. I feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like um, you know, the lone peak one was an amazing achievement. You know, looking back, especially it's easy to um, kind of realize how big of a thing we accomplished. Um, something that we had been working for, working towards for a long time. But, I, just something about the underdog aspect of, of the Gonzaga game, I think, kind of nudges it over the edge for me. You know, Lone Peak, we walked into that state championship game and, you know, we knew essentially Destiny was kind of in our own hands. But we And we also knew that we were going to take care of business. I mean, I, I, I think we played Alta and we beat them by like 40 or something. So, you know, very fun, but also in, in, in a certain way, a little anticlimactic. But but Gonzaga, you know, you talk about the season they had. They were 29-0. and um, You know, we had kind of a lot of ups and downs. We were dealing with a lot of things internally. Um, no one expected us to win. And then and then we start the game. We're down like 20-2 to two or 18-2 to right. two or something. So, I mean, we, we came out and we were playing scared and timid and, and right, into their, right into their game plan. So, I think being able to, to – come back from that and just finally kind of put our foot down and say, no, we're, we're a talented enough team. We can do this. And then go put together a game like that, I think, was um, one of the more special moments of my career, for but, sure. You know, that one got you on SportsCenter, but the Lone Peak thing got you on Good Morning America. That's right. So yes. it's two very different uh, outcomes. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Okay, we're we're going to fast forward you now to February 2020. You make your NBA debut with the Sacramento Kings against the Lakers. Um, you had six points. You had seven boards in 19 minutes in that game. What, what did it feel like to finally be stepping out onto the floor 
living your dream. I mean, you have been dreaming about that since you were a little kid that you would play in the NBA, and now you're out yeah. there and you're contributing. What was that like? I mean, the actual moment where I got my name called was terrifying. I mean, there's no other there's no no other word for it. I mean, all the prep, like you said, all the the dreaming, the visualizing, the hoping, the praying, like so much had gone into this. And then it actually got to the moment and I felt like I was going to collapse. Like it, it was just so terrifying to go out there. I think, you know, it, it was it was just a whirlwind overall. Um, you know, that season I had been cut by the Kings. Um, I was with the G League team playing really well. Then I went to China, got cut by the team in China, then came back, um, was with the Kings again, um, then got the call the day after a game. We had a game the night before the G League did. Um, we played the Memphis Hustle and got a call the next morning. I had no idea, you know, who was hurt because, I, you know, I had just moved like felt like 10 times in the last six months. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't religiously watching the Sacramento Kings and, and knew their schedule and their, their injury report list and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I got the call that, I, that they needed me. And so I got down there. They were in the middle of shoot around, you know, and. And Vlade Divac tells me, "Hey, thanks for coming in. We're we're excited to have you. We love you know we love you with this team and blah 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 a bunch of you know whatever." And <laughs> and then I and then I look, they're in the they're in the middle of a shoot around. And, and so I talked to one of the assistant coaches and I said, "Well, it looks like we have a game tonight. Who are we playing?" And he's like, "Well, we're playing the Lakers." <laughs> and and it all just kind of so that was like moment number one. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to play against LeBron tonight." And and then he proceeds to to sit me down in the in the team kind of cafeteria area and show me film because I had missed most of shoot around because, you know, they called me late. Um, you know, he sat me down and showed me film on Anthony Davis and LeBron. And he's telling me when a when AD catches it, we're going to do this. We're going to send him this way. When LeBron catches it, we're going to double in the post. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. He tends to do this. And I'm just sitting there like there's no way I'm going to guard LeBron. And if I do, I'm not, you know. <laughs> I'm not sending him left. Like it doesn't matter. He's going to score on me, you know? And so there, there was a real like realization of, of, you know, how, how deep I was in it at that point. And then, like I mentioned, when I actually got the call, cause it was early into the first quarter, um, coach Walton called me and, and my legs were shaking. Like it, it was, it was a dream. I, I think someone on the front row said that, that they liked my hair. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I kind of laughed at that. But then I went out and, and the first play, the whole Lakers defense is, is um, you know, yelling at me, talking trash and and telling, you know, A.D. to run an ISO for himself out of the side, the sideline out of bounds because I'm guarding him. And I'm just like, come on, you know, like talk about being thrown in the fire. I'm guarding, you know, Anthony Davis <laughs> and they're telling him to go at me from the jump, you know, Um and, and, and so he did. He got the ball. He ISO'd me. He went right at me. My legs kind of gave out, but I, I turned it into a foul and just brought him down with me. Um, and, and there's nothing like a good foul to kind of get you to settle into the game. And and so that's what I did. And it, you know, it was great from there. But th those first remote, first couple of moments were um, exhilarating to say the least. I, I love that. I love you say that because your quarterbacks always say, "Oh, you know what? It, once I just get hit once." Then I, then, then I just start yeah. to play. And you're saying, hey, once I went out and just fouled somebody, and then I was good to go, right? Just yes. had to foul them. And then, then, exactly. then all the worries were gone. I love that. That's so, one of the greatest stories I've ever that's heard. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
BYU star Eric Mika on the Wise Guys. He averaged 20 points and nine rebounds during his final season with the Cougars in 2017 before leaving school early to go play basketball. By the way, Glenn from the Philippines joins us on uh, our live stream tonight. So when we say global, Eric, we're not messing around. Yeah, Eric, this, this podcast in wow. Panama, in the Philippines, in Japan, and it's, it's crazy where people listen into this live stream. It's fun. It's a perfect setup for yeah, this next cool. question. Very cool. Your career, and you mentioned it a moment ago, taking you and, and your wife Gabby all over the world. You've been on teams in Italy, France, Serbia, China, Germany, NBA, now the G League. When somebody like us asks you, what's the craziest thing you've ever that's ever happened to you on this basketball journey? Outside of that Lakers story, what do you tell them? I don't know. You got me, man. I, <laughs> there's just too, there's too many things. Um, I'll give, I'll give you one that that's a little bit different. Um, th- this one, this one's kind of fun. So when we were in Italy, so we played there my first year after BYU uh, on a, on a first division team. The next year I signed with another team in the same league that was, you know, better. They played in European competition um, you know, I had a really good rookie year and so I, I got picked up by a better team. Um, but I came into that season hurt and I'm going to, I'm prefacing this with like the longest backstory ever, but <laughs> it's gonna I be came good. in hurt, um, or recovering from a knee, from a knee surgery, um, strangely enough. But, uh, so I eventually got, uh, basically parted ways. We'll say, we'll say parted ways. It was mutual. So I parted ways and mid season, um, ended up in Germany. Um, with actually David Stockton, who I had played against, mm-hmm. you know, at Gonzaga. freshman year. So 2013. Yeah. While I was at Gonzaga, we were on the same team in Germany. And what was crazy was in, in Europe and, you know, high level basketball sports, basically anywhere, you don't get many days off. You know, if you get a day off, it's usually at least some treatment, at least some type of walkthrough or film. Um, and the same goes for Europe. Um, we didn't get many days off. You know you're going to get a couple of days in November and February when there's national team breaks, but there was um, there was this weekend. I think it was like the German German All Star game or something, and so we did get we got two days off. And our coach said, um, "No, we got we got a day off." And our coach said, "Hey, I'm going to give you another one, so you guys get two days off." I mean, and we're like jumping for joy. And what what's crazy was that was in February of 2019. And that was the same weekend that the Rome temple got dedicated. Oh, and so, I mean, I mean, it was, it was like all, so many things had to go right, you know, and, and the timing had to be perfect. And and people, those stories where people need to know you served in Italy, right? Yes. You served your mission in Italy and you're fluent in Italian. Yeah. And my wife also served there. Yes. Um, So we both served there. You know, we had lived there for the last year and a half. And then, you know, something that we thought we were, we'd love to go see. They, you know, they talked about the dedication of the Rome Temple for 15 years before it actually happened. Um, You know, another thing that lined up was in my last area in Italy. I actually got really, really close, um, you know, with a family that I'm I'm still very close with today, um, who happens to be the main architect for the temple, for for the project. So, you know, if I don't know him as well as I do, if I don't get that day off, if, you know, all these things don't line up. Um, so I actually texted him. He got me a ticket. Uh, I, I don't know if you'd call it a, a ticket, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah, they, they reserved us. Yeah, they reserved us two seats. And um, 
And then this is where it gets crazy. This is where it's like, all right, this, you know. This was meant to, to be, right? This well. was you meant know, to be. Hand, yeah, it, was, it wasn't just handed to us, but we're going to the airport. Um, I think it was um, the Munich airport. Uh, it was just like an hour and a half away from us. And so we're driving to the airport and there's this huge crash. You know, it's obviously cold in, in February. So there's, um, you know, there's snow, it's freezing. We can't just turn off our car. We're waiting in traffic for so long um, for this for this to clear up that we run out of gas. Oh no! And yes, and so oh my gosh! And and then of course later on we find out we're like a half a mile from this gas station, so we you know maybe could have gotten out and just ran, but like we we didn't know because our phones don't have great service over there, so we're just stuck on the side of the road. Um, luckily, someone um, from the team drove about forty five minutes to to get us some gas. But, but at that point we missed our flight. Um, so we're scrambling, we're freaking out. We end up buying last minute flights out of another airport. Um, so we end up, uh, driving to another airport that was in another direction, Nuremberg airport. That's a little bit smaller. And we got a flight that we barely made it in time for to Amsterdam. We had a 12 hour layover. Um, get to and then and then take our second flight the next morning so we stayed in a hotel get to rome i mean we we got off the plane into an uber and to the temple about 15 minutes before they closed the doors oh, i mean man. like it was as close as you could get um and then as if that wasn't already like a stressful enough 48 hours um i i uh i had to immediate to be back for the monday or tuesday morning practice whenever it was to be back in time, I had to take an overnight train from Rome back to Munich. Um, so literally, the, the temple dedication ended. My wife stayed in Rome for a couple of days with some friends, and I left on a train that I slept on all night so that I could make it to practice <laughs> but, next what a morning. Journey. I mean, but, it was was it, but here's it the was question, nuts. Eric. Was it all worth it? It was all worth it. There I we mean, go. It was yeah. very, very special it, to, to be to be a part of that right as it was happening and, and see so many familiar faces and you know, knowing what that meant to um people in Rome and, and, and all of Italy was very special. So, you know, what a crazy story just because living in Europe is crazy as as a foreigner, playing there is crazy, and then trying to travel and, and do all these things with you know, the schedule that we had was even crazier. So yeah, just, just a good one. Just for, for, so you know, Eric, last week I was in Rome and we went out to the temple and oh, uh, cool. Very it cool. is amazing. And the visitor center yeah. there, first of all, it's strikingly beautiful, but the visitor center there with the 12 apostles and the Christus statue in the center is breathtaking, isn't it? It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when, when you start to tell the story, I'm just like, that's right, Eric and Gabby both served in Italy. To get to be there for the temple yep. uh, dedication is is an amazing thing. So those things don't just happen. No, you know. No. Hey, uh, no. Sean no, Olmstead is going to join us here in a couple minutes. We got one last question for you. Then Blaine's going to hit you up with uh, five questions. We're on with Eric Mika. Right. Um, in what ways have you experienced this influencing power of being a professional athlete, former BYU star, return missionary? for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on young people? You know, that I think is is the biggest draw um, or has become the biggest draw of Ignite. You know, um, there, there's so many pros of, of being here. Um, I love Henderson. 
I love being connected to the NBA. I love, you know, how good the G League is, like I talked about earlier. I love the opportunity that it's giving me to show who I am as a player. But but the number one thing, the number one reason I wanted to come back personally um, for a second year, you know, and, and we had plenty of options overseas. We had um, training camp offers. But I, I just, I love being a part of these young men, their development, their lives, um, just being an example to them, helping them in their own personal journey and, and professional arc. Um, it, it, it's been very special. And, and it's something that I've loved to do for a long, long time is, is being connected to, you know, young men and women, obviously, um, in this profession, it's, it's with young men and, and just hopefully rub off on them the way that some really, really special and, um, you know, amazing people rubbed off on me when I was younger. You know, I, I was so lucky to have incredible parents, older siblings that looked after me, um, older siblings, friends, uh, coaches, mentors, like, and, and still today. I mean, I, there's so many people who, who I owe so much to um, that have positively impacted me when they didn't have to and um, went out of their way to help me. And so I, I, I just want to be one of those people, you know, give back to the next generation of athletes so that they can have what I didn't or that they can experience the good that I did um, and, and, and just, you know, leave an even bigger impact. You know, I just think it's all, um, you know, it's all part of the same flow and, and it's going to be ex exponential. You know, whoever helped the person that helped me, you know, might have helped them just a little bit. Then I got helped a little bit more Then you know, I'm just trying to help a little bit more to the next guy. And, and it's just going to snowball and, hopefully make the world a better place. Right. It's, hey. it's all about just, um, the one drop in the ocean, I think makes a big difference. And, and so I've absolutely loved that part of the role. Well, you're doing it. We congratulate you. And, uh, Thank we're, you. And we're Thank proud you. of you. It's been fun to watch you develop. This whole interview has led up to the next 30 seconds. Are you ready? Yeah. The five questions. You're not, yes. you, you can't oh. even think about these. You just, just, can't wait. just fire up. Now, Sean doesn't have all to right. do it cause he's been on the yeah, show. Before, he's already so done, he's this. done this. So we have his on record, but you're going on record now. Your favorite sports movie. Uh, remember the Titans. That you know what I'm going to say in two years. That's the most popular. It's good. It's such a good movie. So remember the Titans. It is. It, it's just, yeah, it's just classic. It's classic. so good. Um, your favorite singer or band? Who I absolutely listen to the most. I you know right now I'm on a real country kick. I'm going to say Morgan Wallen. Oh yeah, Morgan Wallen's great. My my wife is yeah. on a uh, Chris Stapleton kick right now. So he's got very, yeah, he's very, very unique. Great too. Yeah, your favorite breakfast cereal? I knew this wasn't coming, and so I was already <laughs> thinking about it. I'm going to go with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. All right. That is also one of our most popular. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, very popular. Again today, <laughs> my pregame meal was Cinnamon Life. So, it's nice. yeah, it's, it's always good. Um, also and, and also very solid. Yeah, very, very solid, very solid choice. <laughs> so f your favorite BYU moment, and this doesn't have to be on the basketball floor. You know, we talked about, but this could be anything that happened to you at BYU that's your favorite moment. I'm going to go with uh, getting into the the big dance my freshman year, the selection Sunday at Coach Rose's house. I think I blacked out. I was just so excited. I was screaming so loud. So that, that was a good one. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Number five. Yeah, this is the most important. Favorite piece of advice you've ever gotten from your wife, Gabby? I, I feel like I, I need her, you know, pump up speeches almost daily, you know, and, and I can't think of, you know, one particular thing, but, you know, I, I just 
feel so lucky to have her. And I think anyone who has this in a partner is lucky. And that's being able to keep me high when I'm feeling low and keep me low when I'm feeling high. You know, she, she has just so much perspective. She's, and she knows me so well personally that she knows exactly what I need to hear when I need to hear it. Um, oftentimes earlier than I even need to hear it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I couldn't give you just one line, but She's good, man. She's All good. Right. She knows, I love that. She knows, that. So, she knows what I need to hear. She's your personal hype squad, which everybody needs, right? <laughs> so, yes. Hey, Eric, yes. But if my head's ever getting too big, then she, she can bring sure you she, down. She grabs yeah. me a little bit. Level. That's, that's their job. I love yeah. it. They enjoy that part of the job. The perfect too. balance. Yeah, they, they like do that. enjoy they that. Like that. Yes. Hey, tell us about your podcast real quick. Uh, you, what what it is and where folks can can find it. Yeah. You can find it anywhere you find your podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, it's called now for later. If you type that in or type in Eric Mika, honestly, you'd find the same thing. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of my own personal journey of, of figuring out what I'm going to do next. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of, um, really energy and effort to, to displace into this. You know, I can't be working two jobs as I prepare for life after basketball, but I can interview high level people, um, that are in all sorts of, um, different cool projects uh all of them are, are former athletes some finished in high school some finished in college and and a lot of them played in pro for a long time so some very cool names um have come on the show which has been a lot of fun and it's just kind of helped me you know figure out what's next and and be willing to put myself out there learn new things fail at different things and and also have something outside of basketball now um to sort of you know have that that work-life balance and and um, you know, develop my voice and, and figure out who I am and what I want. You know, I think, I think those are important things in life and, and the podcast has helped me do it. Hey, when you get LeBron on your show and you can talk to him about the night you took him to school <laughs> yes. in February of 2020. Talk about yes. AD and tell yes. him how you hacked him and he <laughs> didn't make a shot. So, and by the way, we just put up yeah, the Le link. LeBron, LeBron hasn't been returning my text for a while, so I don't know if he'll be on the show. <laughs> we, we put up the link to, uh, to Eric's podcast in the chat. So anybody that uh, wants to check it out, um, go ahead and click on that link. It'll take you right to, to where Eric is and you can... Check him out on his podcast. Hey, we're proud of you. Keep healing. Let's get back on the floor here in a couple weeks. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the show and back as a BYU TV basketball analyst anytime we can yes. get you. Uh, very talented guy. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Great to hear from you. Thank you, guys. Great to see you guys. We'll Eric you Mika, big center at BYU, took down number one Gonzaga. Healing up his knee, be back in the G League here, as, as you heard, in a couple of weeks. And uh, what a great, uh, great example of uh, of a BYU Cougar out in the yeah. world, and, and I remember that his first gig was in Italy, and I thought, how how appropriate is that? That uh, um, his first professional gig was in Italy, where he and Gabby both served their missions, and so they yeah. went back. They're both fluent in the language; they were very comfortable there, and influenced a lot of people, not just on their missions, but when he was playing basketball over in Europe. So, all right, let's turn to some volleyball. BYU is three and one. If we get the coach's attention, come on over, come on over Sean. Sean. Cougars are three and one, ranked number nine in the country. Lost at number fifteen, Lewis, three to two. Beat number ten, Loyola yeah. Chicago, three to two. This is casual. I like this. Some this is, big yeah, uh, is, road battles. That's the fun part. We right. were just saying, we'll let you get those headphones on. Okay. Okay. This me. week at Santa Barbara, Friday and now, Saturday. I don't know what's in this box, but I'm just gonna let people see what this. Hey, that hey, looks, looks cool. That's we, cool. We don't come empty-handed. This so is awesome. We were just saying earlier in the show, uh, is being the men's volleyball coach the coolest job on campus? Oh, easy, hands down. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not, uh, 
I guess if I can't be Brian Santiago, just, uh, you know, who just on. is in charge of he's everything. He's going to hear right? this down the road. Yeah, he's he's going to be knocking. Right. Yeah. If I can't be Brian and uh, you know, uh, getting to partake in all these wonderful events, then why not be Sean Olmstead? Well, we were thinking about it, and we talked to this about we talked about this with you last time you were here. There's there's a cool element about volleyball. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no beach at the Smithfield House, but volleyball yeah. came from the beach. Yep. The, most of your teams from California and yep. Vegas. Warm and places, right? Warm yep. places. And there's just a, there's a vibe around that sport in there. Oh, 100%. It's, uh, it's, it is kind of that laid back lifestyle, you know, that uh, you go back to the, you know, where the sport comes from and where it flourishes and on the beaches of California, the Hawaii, you know, uh, countries like Brazil right. and and it is just a kind of a lifestyle. It's, you know, take the volleyball down to the beach. That's what I did, you know, and that's where Heather and I came from is we were on the beach every day just with our family, with our friends. Yeah. We would spend all day and the sun would go down. We'd grab our stuff and we were lucky to just walk home. You know, I'd ride my bike or my skateboard sure. and, and mom and dad still lived down there. And, and that was the lifestyle. And that's very common down in Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, San Diego, and so you get so many, uh, you know, it's of course grown, the sport's grown, but yeah. it is a very just low-key laid back. Has that helped create that atmosphere at the field house? Because the students are from all those places. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they pack it. 100%. And, and they're just, I think that is something uh, to say with their personality, who, who our players have been and their interaction with everybody, with you guys, with the fans, and people impre- appreciate it and enjoy it. And, well, you know, we were just back there chatting right now about the interactions they've had with some of my guys. And he's mentioning just the wonderful people that kids like John Stanley are, the Will Stanleys, uh, Mix, and, and you can go on and on. And I comfortably can say that our guys can walk into any place and it, within a matter of minutes, I'm getting people coming and just saying, wow, your, your guys are awesome. And I think most BYU athletes, let's be honest, I think right. there's something about the it. Le- sure. The level of athlete at BYU in terms of their – their person, um, yeah. who they are, and their character, and all that is like off the charts. It really is for sure. Um, especially so, especially so in volleyball. It's it's an interesting thing. Just an observation. You tell me if I'm way off on this, or if this is on the nature of the origin, kind of of the sport that you just described. Mm-hmm. Um, it it makes for so you go down to the beach and you play all day long. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's lot, not like hours and hours and hours of time that's committed to per, to getting good in the sport. Yeah. Yet everybody I ever meet it's in volleyball, even at the highest highest level, they all just seem like they just love the game. Like it's not work, even though it's hours and hours, and yeah. it takes great de- dedication to be really good. They never feel like they're working putting those hours in because they love it so much. Is that off the mark, or is that true? No, I think it's true because look at the sp- it's it's a it's an activity that you can take to the family reunion, and yeah. we can play that up, up Provo Canyon, Rock Canyon right. Park. We have the 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 summer reunion, you know, and we're gonna take a volleyball and we're gonna throw up a volleyball net, and we've got the coolers on the side. And, um, and so it kind of lends itself to that, you know, you're going to put in work. Our guys, you know, we put in work, work, but, but that it's, it's almost more of a lifestyle sport, right? And we're not going to, we're not going to throw on the football pads and say, Hey, we're going to go to the beach the whole day and <laughs> knock on each other and just play. For, Cause you know, the football players are going to go do what they're going to go surf. They're going to go, you know, do those, any, any person's going to, and you know, but volleyball, 
kind of finds itself there. Even basketball, you know, that's it's a sport. Yes, people are going to play pickup, but how often do you see that being played nonstop all right. day at a family reunion type of event yeah, or a get yeah. together? It's yeah. good stuff. So, hey, so true. I've got to ask though, you won a national championship, right? At BYU. Mm-hmm. You did. Okay. You won. No, two, I you did. won two of them. Well, I know. I was. That's what. That's what my point was. So, hey, if by the I way, won there's two, a couple of two to one. That's no, what I just heard. Two to no, one. House, man. There's a couple. Of I just want to know. I mean, I won two. I, can I take my shoes and socks off? <laughs> oh yeah, I never Brian? wear. Like oh, sometimes for the we, love. I just wanted. I just was wondering. There's a. You've got one. I got two. Everybody that watches knows. They're like, it's winter, and I go, I don't wear shoes on this show i love it because and that's you know we're trying to create more of a volleyball vibe on the show is that what we're doing yeah. that's what we're doing like, I you, go, known, you go barefooted like you, sure. you can take your shoes you I, got i would have come in my board shorts sneaks and, on. yeah no, like no, what no, are those always. sneaks these are the nike trail that's, oh, that's all i wear so all you right. got you got good good sneaks on but yeah but you you can always come on this show um with with you know hoodie and no there we go no shoes and socks absolutely speaking, that's what this show is about speaking of your national championships yeah 2001 yeah. 2004 uh those two teams, since we were last together, were put in the BYU Hall of Fame yeah. this last fall. Yeah, what so a fun. night that was. Oh, you were man. the libero on both those teams. What, what did it mean to you to be enshrined like that with those teammates? Yeah, I, I can't take credit for being the libero on the 2001, because I wasn't. And that goes oh, okay. to Fernando Pessoa, uh, one of our Brazilian All-Americans. You were libero in four? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and we... Uh, it's funny, we were just at Lewis, let me back up, and we lost in 03 in five sets in the finals. Not many people remember that. I mean, maybe they do, but it doesn't get talked about enough. And I think within a matter of weeks, they got stripped of that national championship. So I'm just saying it should have been three. It should have been three. No, no, no. But they don't do that. Why don't they, they strip them, but they don't give it to you? It's okay. It's, it is what it is. But um, man, what a great night. Yeah. And uh, it was really, really, really important for me to get all of Carl's family here. Carl, you know, his wife, right. Susan was there and Paul and Chris uh, were there. It was awesome that we got Hugh McCutcheon to get out here, you know, because that's, uh, we were lucky. He's retired now from coaching, but he stayed at Minnesota as an actual, you know, he's in that athletic administration, but um I'm sure they're, you, you know, Hugh's amazing. He's brilliant. So I'm sure they're just using the heck out of him. He's some sort of a, I think it's a great position, especially for Hugh and what he's done. He's like a coach mentor for the coaches at Minnesota. So he moved into that administration role. So we were lucky to get him because normally he'd be in season. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan Millar and, oh, uh, you know, Ryan play. Uh, Steve Hines and, and Matt, Ols- uh, Matt Olson, Mac Wilson, Scott Bunker, just so many of the guys could come and, it, it was a bummer that, uh, you know, they're always going to do it during football season. Right. Because we even talked to them when they, when they told us, hey, we're only inducting these teams, yeah. not, no athletes. I said, all right, we've got so many great alum that were part of those teams that, won that, that are coaching. Yeah. Is there any way we could do the banquet in, like during our season? I actually proposed to them doing it uh, next weekend when we have Irvine here. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, just think, hey, let's think outside the box. And, and I understand that they couldn't. I, I totally respect that, that they always do it in the fall. But it would have been even, you know, we would have had even more there uh, than we did. But either way, it was just 
It was awesome, and it was a great time. It was nice to have the two teams out in front of 60,000 fans. And I think I that's know, that the, was cool. the beauty of it is when, when you get that many fans live, 60,000 yeah. plus. All three to, teams. To, to really 99, honor, right. 01, yeah. and 04. That's yeah. pre, it's a pretty special night. So I get that they want to do that. But, yeah. but to have more folks there. Yeah, Sean's team's in the Hall of Fame. My team's in the Hall of Fame as well. There we go. So we have that in common. So he absolutely can go barefoot anytime he wants. I can. Next, next match. Barefoot. So, so with, with that experience... <laughs> <laughs> 01, 04, and yeah. a de facto national championship in 03. Yeah, we'll give you that one. Yeah, we're giving we you that. Now it's three to one over there. there. We go. So three to what, one. What kind of impact does having that experience as a player have on you um, that helps you now as you're, as you're coaching these young athletes and, and trying to go out and do that again? Yeah, I think uh, I talk with the guys all the time that, hey, you know, if these are your goals, if, the, if this is what you want to accomplish – then, hey, I, I me, um, my assistant coach, you know, lost in a NCAA final. The, you know, Devin did when he was with Taylor Sander and, and Chris was coaching him. So, you know, very close. Um, hey, I, there's something to be said about someone that knows, like, what it takes to win. You know, I mean, that's to it's win a, a national to win that many in a row, right? You know, and I, and I tell teams all the time, hey, if that's going to be your goal, once you make that decision, guys, this is going to be hard. Yeah. There's going to be hard conversations. There's going to be hard, uh, you know, moments and wins and losses. And, and injuries. Hard, all of that, because yeah. that's all part of it. And sometimes I believe that kids, you know, in anything, sometimes it's just, oh, the goal's this, the goal's that. Like, okay, do you, do you really know what that means? And, and so... I try to tell the guys, like, hey, I'm all on board. Like, let's go. I'll roll up the sleeves. I'll stand shoulder to shoulder. I'll, uh, I'll go in. I'll go head first into the, into the brawl. You know, I'll, I'll lead the charge. Uh, but you have to understand that it's just really, really hard. And it takes, uh, you know, being aware of so many things that at times, again, we just set that goal. And then you just, you, you believe you're working towards that goal. But any team that wins a national championship in any sport, it is a whole nother level. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've been right there. So I've had the teams that have been there and been mm -hmm. capable to compete for national championships. And so it's to answer that question, I think it's, it's great to have a coach that says, okay, we did it. Now, what did that mean? What were the dynamics of the guys? What did that mean with guys that wanted to be starters and couldn't be and coming off the bench? And there, there's, Man, it's just so many dynamics. dynamics. And people forget. I know you don't forget because you experienced it. Um, people talk about those seasons. They remember all the highlights. If you didn't play, you remember the highlights. And you remember how good that team was and how many they mm -hmm. won. And you remember that they won the national championship. Very rarely they remember like, man, we were so lucky. Like I think back to 84. Oh, man, we were so lucky to get out of that game with Wyoming. Like four uh -huh. or five like, of those how did we? Mm -hmm. How did we pull that thing out? 100%. In the end. Because we were really fortunate because we did not play well. But but I remember this guy did this, and this guy made a, cr a crazy play. I think back to Hawaii, and it's like, man, we're going to lose this game. They're going to score from the one-yard line. Oh, no, Kyle Morrell is going to leap over the line of scrimmage and tackle the quarterback going f over the top of his head from the backside yeah. and make a play. And there's so many struggle points in a season that ends up 
with a national championship. Absolutely. And most people, everybody remembers the Kyle Morrell play because it was so. Yeah. But there were so many Kyle Morrell-like plays throughout that season that nobody remembers, but we all do. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain that in your national 100%. champion seasons, you remember yeah. those moments where it's like, well, this had to happen. And we had to grind on that. And we had to get a little lucky on this one. And we had, you remember yeah. them all. Yeah. Does that, does that help to be able to remind the guys as you guys are on that quest again? Uh, yeah. I believe so, you know, and, and I look back to my senior year and nobody, everyone knows that, okay, we won. Handful of people are going to remember that it was in Hawaii. Um, another handful of people are going to remember that it was against f the fourth time we played Long Beach State that year. Yeah. That, uh, uh, you know, and then a handful of people are going to, you know, know, man, it went five sets. It went overtime. We were down 10-6 in the fifth set. You don't make that up in no. men's volleyball. We were down 12 or 13-9. I got, I got to remember that. 13-9 in the fifth set. It, that, that, coming back from that just doesn't happen. No, yeah. No. Nobody, doesn't happen, nobody, does it? No, it does not. Long Beach State had brought out all the boxes, the, the NCAA. <laughs> True story. Brian Santiago was, with there, was there with us. They NCAA president brought their boxes sure. with Long Beach State, started opening. They were, it was over. But a lot of people don't know that we started that season 0-2. We went to Pepperdine, it just got smacked. 3-0-3-0. You know, nobody, nobody knows team. that. Yeah. yeah, national championship team. And, but those were the discussions that, hey, guys, don't get rattled. Like, this is, this is a grind. This whole thing, like you said, all those games and all those matches – and so uh, it, it, I do remind those guys. I, I try not to do it all too often because right. I think it just gets, oh, here goes the, oh, the old guy's here just talking about again. himself. Go, here we go, Blaine. He's bringing out the rings. Uncle Rico, like, hey, look, you <laughs> see that mountain over there yeah, in 1984? Exactly. <laughs> I could, you know, so I, I, I try not to, but I, I do. If there's moments that I believe are applicable, of course, you've got to use them. I love it. I love it. BYU men's volleyball head coach Sean Olmstead is on the Wise Guys tonight. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and wiseguys.com, ysguys.com. Before we talk about this team, we love this team. Yeah. Uh, we want to find out how much you love this team. But what kind All of right. volleyball player would Puka Nakua have been? Oh, man. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Really, he really good. He would be one of your shorter guys. No, no, but no. Just yeah. in his Here's what he would be. Here's what he would be. Um, almost very similar to our Jam John Stanley right now. Where Puka Nakua doesn't, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't need any beef with him. Uh, but <laughs> he's going to walk into a football stadium. And if we, you can't tell me that six months ago, let's line up all, all the wide receivers in the NFL. How right. about that? Okay, let's, and let's. how does he even look? Exactly. Yeah. He, he ain't going in the top. I don't know how many wide receivers there are in the are fifth in round the for Pete Six. He's the best rookie receiver in the history of so, the game. Who's going to pick him? <laughs> What NFL coach is going to go that guy? Like, seriously, guys. Sure. So, but, and that's John Stanley. John Stanley's going to walk in the gym and no one's going to go that guy. But what he does is you just, over time, you see that Puka, everything he does is a positive effect on the team. Mm. And so John Stanley does that. Like, he's not superimposing. We've got guys that are 6'9, six, 6'8, six, yeah. that are just built. And, but John, we see, time and time again that his touches are positive. We score points. We go, you know, we keep stall these coaches. We all keep stats and we know mm -hmm. what's going on. We see that when he's involved, things for us 
are on the positive side. We score points more, we side out more, you know, all these kind of things. And so Puka would be very similar to that. I think um, it just, he's, he's not going to freak you out when he walks in. Okay. But he's going to go and do a wonderful job with great energy. And also, also guys, he is going to get, this is what Puka does from what I know. Everyone is going to want to be around that guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big and, deal. And yeah, that's a big deal. That, that's a big deal. Yeah. And that's the same with John. Everyone wants to be around John. Everybody. And so I think Puka does the same. He's a, like, we call him, we call him glue players. We call, you know, yeah. culture players. Yeah. And they're also talented. Like, because they can course, play in your course, team, you got to have talent. Course, Puka's got to have talent. Of course. But, but they're guys that make everybody around them better and they're invaluable. Yeah. That's, yep. that's awesome. You told, when we talked to you last year, you're like, well, we're going to be good, but we're really, really, really young. Yeah. And, and, but this next year, which is now, mm-hmm. um, when we, we get a bunch of these guys back, we're going to take a big step forward. Um, it's, it's still early, obviously, but, but how are you feeling about that progress? Oh, I've, I still feel the same. You know, um, we, we, uh, we had a, a loss on the road. We were, you know, just to Lewis on Saturday night. 15th rank, Lewis. 15, yeah. uh, 13. And, and Lewis has been good for a long time. No, Lewis time. is... They, very they, good like, program. Like I, we were just talking there. Their ranking isn't fair. I think they are very, very, very good, actually. And, and that'll play out because what people... The people that are looking go, oh, they lost on the road at Penn State in five. They lost to UCLA at home, but people don't know that they... they in every category, they beat UCLA in that match. We and UCLA the three sets that they won had to go into overtime, and all of those three sets they only beat them by two points. It was twenty five twenty three. The other ones were twenty eight twenty six twenty eight twenty six. That's the number one team in the country is UCLA. Right, and 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 Lewis was right there, you know, and and they beat us, you know, and so now they've got one win, and so people just naturally are not going to rank them accordingly, even though I, I, the rankings don't matter to me. I know how good Lewis is. It yeah. is. They had a second set, 18-10. We came back, lost 25-23. It's remarkable. Then we roll sets three and four. Right. Like, we, I, we were winning the four sets 17-5. to five. Just on fire. Just rolling, rolling. And, and then, you know, we got up in the, the fifth set, and it was, you know, we, we, we had the advantage. We were 12-11, I think, at a time. And just a couple points here, there, and... It's kind of how the cookie crumbles, right? right. You know, right. At, that uh, level, at, at that level, it's a play here, it's, it's a play there, right? It is. It well, is. a couple days earlier, you're at number 10, Loyola, Loyola Chicago, and you yeah. beat them 3-2. And we beat them. You beat them. So, so, um, so yeah, I'm really happy because uh, we played a really good ball state here at home to open up. Two, met, two wins in, in mm-hmm. a row. And so as we were looking, I would go against anybody right now that said, like, I think we, and actually us and Lewis, there's no doubt in my mind, because I've looked, and it's there. You can't debate it. We've played the toughest schedules in the country. Yeah. Easy, hands down. Hands down. It's not even debatable. It's not even close, actually. Um, and, and so I thought, I thought that was all of this is great for us, and it, it's a part of it. So uh, really, really happy and excited about what we did. And honestly, the, on Saturday night, we made three huge subs that are – that's as a coach, you're like, eh, all right, one or two, but man, I'm going to go three guys deep. Those guys changed that. That was when the score was like 17 to five, somewhere around there, maybe a little earlier and boom, boom, boom. So 
We're talking about three guys that can come off the bench. And then they stayed in, in sets three and sets four. And, you know, one of them actually dealt with a couple issues that I had to pull them out at the end of the fourth and they were health issues, you know, cause I, I literally just got off the phone with somebody that was calling me wondering why I pulled, I didn't put that person back in, in the fifth set. I was trying to explain that, Hey, I, actually he couldn't go back in. And so maybe it would have been, maybe it would have been different. Who knows? But, but to be able to have those guys that came off the bench, yeah. change things. And now we know a little bit more about our team, not just the guys that started the match, but a handful of other guys that did an unbelievable job mm-hmm. coming off the bench. Let's talk about a few of these guys. By the yeah. way, all the home matches are live on BYU TV. That's right. The only live BYU sports on BYU I know. TV. I know. We got it. Uh, yeah. We can thank the MPSF and, uh, and the success that Sean Olmstead's had, uh, the head coach, on with us tonight. Yeah. Uh, Luke Benson, yeah. he's six mm-hmm. foot what, seven, Newberry Park. What's his vertical? He's like Superman. Yeah, I, like man. it's something ridiculous, right? Yeah, I should I should know, and I apologize, but is, he's is touching it, almost it, up to twelve feet. That's yeah, crazy, and that's pretty pretty darn athletic. <laughs> he's worth going to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. by himself because he's oh, yeah. he's flying through the air. Yeah. So what what makes him different from from the others on the floor, both the opponent and your squad? No, I mean the reality is he's been pretty blessed physically. Let's be honest, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he's pretty strong guy. Go look at him, and and he works hard at it. Um, and Luke's, you know, that's always stood out. Even when he was a freshman in high school, we saw this athleticism and, and he's just grown into his body and filled out it, but he's really, really progressed as it relates to understanding moments and plays. Whereas years before we, we, we saw glimpses of Luke and it was unbelievable. And here's what the glimpses were last year. Nobody in NCAA volleyball. I don't know the last time someone's served on a radar at 80 miles an hour. And wow. Luke did and just wow. blew up. The guy couldn't move out of the way uh, and an ace and it became this highlight everywhere. But then he would go the next serve and just not so great. Now he's, un- he's learned and so he's progressed. Consistent. And so, you know, the 80 might come. I bet we don't even see it, but I don't want to see it. If that makes sense. You want consistency at whatever he can serve consistently, right? Consistently and tough, which, hey, if you can give us 80, great. But the reality is, and we're keeping this every day in practice, and we're keeping track of mileage, and so that the guys can say, okay, this is my mileage. This is, oh, that's the one where I can get in over and over again. And so Luke's done that. He's high in aces. Very efficient attacking because he's just so big, but he's learned too. Luke used to, he, he'd get up just as high, but Luke, younger Luke would try to just bounce every ball. Now he's learning to hit around the court and touches come and deflections come. And then the moments where he can get the ball to the floor come, they're, they're always going to be there. But understanding that has been a big, big thing for him. I'm amazed at how hard they hit the ball at the net. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned his ability to jump, touch 12 feet. For a guy who's 6'7", we do the yeah. math, that vertical's got to be through the roof. But it is almost impossible to return. UCLA's had a guy this last couple of years. Oh, yeah. When he's at the net, it's like, oh, that's going to be a point. Yeah, yeah. Um, the velocity coming off a, a, a spike uh-huh. What is it? That, same thing up in the 80s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And, it's, oh, uh, um, and unless it, you're on top of it, 
Like yeah. it's, it's impossible, right? It's hard. It's, you're going to take a shot and we tell the guys, Hey, muscle up. And at times <laughs> all they can do is just move their body and try to get a shoulder, try to get a chest in Hit there, it up in the air, get it let, up in the yeah, air yeah. try to, you know, ball nose angles. Carl McGowan used to no, always get talk two, to us get about two guys that. on the block and roof the thing, right? Hopefully that's, the thing. that's where we want to get touches yeah. and slow things down. And then maybe we can get a better touch. And cause that's the difference between women's volleyball and men's volleyball. I tell everybody, if a women's player misses a blocking assignment, you still got a pretty good chance that you can dig it. Yeah. You can get in there and go, all right, here we go. You miss it with the guys. It's, it's no, too, like, no chance. It's game over. It's game over. And so there's va- a lot of value in that, and that's where we got to be really, really good blocking. All right, last question on Luke, and then Blaine's going to hit you up with some other guys. Okay. Guys, um, have you seen, and in, in, like, the season's young, but you've seen him before, and he's got a lot of volleyball ahead of him, but uh-huh. are there moments when he's at the net flying as high as he flies where you, and you've had tremendous athletes in your program, where you just kind of stop and go, did, did he just do that? Yeah. I mean, of Isn't course. Isn't that cool? There's moments where the guys do that too, and the guys, it, it happens quite a bit at practice when things come together and there's Luke and you just see him go up and the guys just kind of start chuckling and just go, Oh geez, like that's not fair. You know, they're kind of, it's like I did when I played, you know, I'm like, ah, come on, what happened to me? Why, why am I not there? You know? And so I just had to check myself and remember, Oh, I can ball control better than those guys. So I'm going to play. You're going to set them up. Yes. But I mean, there's moments every day in practice that it's not just us. The guys are like, Holy crap. Like what what do you want us to do coach in that moment? (laughs) Said no. That's what we want Luke to get comfortable with. Fantastic. Yeah. Let's let's go. Let's go to Mix. And it, okay. Uh, Mix Romanus. Yeah. Yeah. And six six. He's a junior from Walnut Creek. Yeah. Another California kid. Um, how's he progressing? What's what's he bringing to this squad? He's bringing a lot of good experience. And he the last two summers now, he's been able to return to Latvia. His mom and dad are from Latvia. Um, so Mix got has the dual passport, and so that allows him to go and play with that Latvian national team right. on the international uh, level. And so that's a really been a really really good experience for him because he sees volleyball at uh, a whole nother level, and that's what he's done. And so he brings really good experience. Uh, he's been in the, kind of been in the fire, um, and so he's pretty comfortable in those situations. But he's learned a lot, and he's continuing to you know progress and make make strides. I love it, Capono Brown, one of my favorite guys uh-huh. to watch. He's just a lot of personality and a great player. Six yeah, five. You, you get him from Stanford. So yeah. You get him from a decent program. Stanford, yeah, yeah. yeah Stan, Stanford yep. transfer um, kid from Honolulu. Mm-hmm. So in his senior year now, he's just really fun to watch. And he flies around, and he's got you. you, you if the block messes up in front of you, like you're in trouble with Luke, or excuse me, with Capono. Yeah. That thing's coming fast, and Capono's not afraid to rip it. And yeah, you're, it's lights out. It, it that's, could be coming at more velocity than what Luke can generate. He's got a really fast arm. And if you watch Capono play, like you said, people enjoy watching him because when he's attacking or serving, I mean, he's getting his hip, he's getting everything into that which creates more velocity and and thus what we see and he just he always seems like I mean, all the guys seem like they're having a good time out there but he in particular to me and, and when we've been he just feels like i love this i'm having mm-hmm. fun i'm i'm killing the ball i'm making it miserable for those guys and i love it i love dominating this is fun yeah it, for sure does he does he seem to have that personality yeah but he's got he's also you know he's a hawaii kid and so yeah, he's pretty laid back yeah. he's very laid back great student obviously he was at stanford um, but no doubt when it's time to play in Hawaiian kids, I mean, they've, they 
had a ball in their crib, you yeah. know, and so volleyball, the outrigger, everything is just a huge part of that culture there. How about Tion Taylor, six yeah. six out of Vegas? Yeah, I I probably talked a ton about him last time, and so I think that right there, we went and did a clinic uh, on Friday night because we played Thursday and Saturday. So they did a big local clinic with all the teams. UCLA was there. We all got a half an hour. So it was cool for the kids. Yeah. There's 100 and something kids there. And uh, so we went over there with our team, and I just said to these kids, I said, hey, if you ever think your time's up or you can't do anything or I don't know, whatever your goals might be, you got to look at this kid, Tion Taylor. Now, guys, this is a kid that nobody, including me, including me, did not recruit. Really? Nobody. He didn't play club on Sundays, so it's hard at those national tournaments. Yeah. He was way into basketball, coached by uh, Noah Hartsock. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, loved basketball. Was he at Shadow Ridge or something like that? Uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah I, you're you're going to put me on the spot, but yeah, one, no, of those, one, one of those. You guys would know. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so... We knew nothing. Guys, we knew nothing of this kid, but no one did. And we got some film, and when he went on his mission, he reached out to us, but the, his mother was just persistent, just nonstop. And we still didn't respond until our secretary at the time, back a handful of years, had worked at that same district in Las Vegas for a time, uh, uh, Terry Nita. And so she's like, hey, Sean, like, I'm sorry to bother. Like, she keeps bothering me because she knew the mom from back in yeah, Vegas. Like, can you take a look at this She's kid? just like, Sean, just like for me. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I've got the kids' emails. And we just couldn't, you know, there, there wasn't much. And so then we looked. Then I kept looking again. Then I did make a few phone calls. And there was a couple people where I called and I said, wait, hold on. Like, okay, it's one thing if you can't play volleyball. But talk to me. about. I'm seeing something on film that like, the kid looks like a freak athlete mm -hmm. and they're like oh yeah 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 i mean no of that he is and i'm like okay so long story short he had already gotten into byu on his own wow which is not an easy thing to do these days no no very hard yeah he got into byu on his own and so uh, you know one thing led to another and we just said hey kid you know might as well like you're an unbelievable athlete uh you know i like your attitude i like all these things i've tied talked to heart sock and we did all our homework and so we're like you know you're coming to byu anyways come in the gym let's we'll put you on an initial roster because you can do that you know under the ncaa rules and we'll see where it goes from there and it wasn't long before we're like uh yeah this kid's unreal and i mean you know then he was raw but credit to him because he just put his head down never looked back unbelievably confident has become a darn darn good player that you know he he he's last year he was number two in the country in blocking and we're again we're talking about a kid that nobody all these coaches that know what we're doing recruiting wise maybe we don't because because that, that's something though that unfortunately gets lost too often and it's hard i'm trying we're yeah. all trying to find that how do you, you know, when... How do you find that guy, right? Yeah. Because he doesn't have the exposure. So you're going to probably ask me what one of my favorite, my favorite sports movie is. And I don't know if this could be considered a movie, but if you haven't seen The Brady Six, you're missing out. The Brady, the Brady Six? Six? Oh, come. 
I've never even heard of that. I'm gonna walk. Yeah. I might walk away. I'm Don't walk away. Six, down right I'm gonna write it down. Is that about the down. Tom Brady and his guys, six Super Bowls, or what no, are we talking about? It's the six quarterbacks that got picked in front, in front of, Brady. of Brady. Okay, I and had a feeling guys, it has something to do with Tom one Brady. One becomes like like this first round pick or something becomes a goat farmer, and you got San Francisco <laughs> passing on. But guys, it's fun. It's the greatest player in the history of the game. Right? It's fascinating because it, you guys will love it. And you're going to thank me six. next time you no, see I'm it. Okay. it. Because all my six. teams, we've is watched it together. Is it, it like together. a Netflix documentary? Man, I have. It. I'll find I, made it. I burned copies years ago of it. I'll find and it. And handed them out. And, the Brady but, um, Six. At the end of it, it's going like, uh, it, was like it was like Mariota, who had been fired. And remember, could have drafted Tom Brady like he got a quarterback in that class, if I'm not mistaken. The 49ers passed on him. Everybody did, sure. but all Brady did was win. He came off the bench at Michigan and won. Yeah. And they still went back to Drew Hansen, right? right? Yeah, remember, Drew Hansen was, was a coach's kid that was really good friends with, uh, with the Michigan coach. And like I have friends that played on that team. They're just like, yeah, Brady was better. But it goes into all that. And then at the end is one of my favorite lines is like, yeah, I mean, we all screwed up. Yeah. And I lost my job. Like, <laughs> of course. How did we miss this And kid? then it goes, hey, here's what happened we just we couldn't see that guy's heart i couldn't open him up open up open him up and see what that guy was made of have you seen the draft room um video of right before the rams took puka i don't think i have google it and go watch it okay because sean mcveigh's going i'm telling you guys this kid and he starts talking about him he's like nobody understands what this kid brings to the game and how strong he is and how he does this and how he does that. I cannot believe he's like, he starts talking about it. This is who we're taking it. And I am pumped. But that, and then they take him in the fifth round. And not everybody agrees. And, and, and everybody's like, knew. well, maybe yeah. it'll be okay. Yeah. But, but Sean McVay was the one guy. Same thing. That saw what, like when you listen to Sean talk in the draft room, they act like he, he acts like he's getting a first round draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's the one guy. Yep. But 100%, we're, we're, we're going to the combine. I mean, what do, what do we get out of the 225 bench press? Like, seriously, guys, what do we get out of it? Nothing. At the quarterback position? Nothing. I think I could still bench 225 more times than Tom Brady. Yeah. So, anyways, that, and that's, you <laughs> I know, love Tion that. Taylor. Okay, the that's Brady good advice. Six, Everybody everyone. out there, watch yep. the Brady Six. And that's Tion Taylor. And if you get a chance to watch, he's a crazy athletic kid. Oh, he's a, yeah. An crazy athletic kid. So. BYU men's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead hanging out with us on the Wise Guys. Four-time MPSF Coach of the Year. Has had BYU in the national title match three times. Most recently in 2021. What I love about your rosters, there are four Las Vegas yeah, kids. Vegas yeah, Taylor, yeah. Jackson, five. Jared Brady, my favorite, who I <laughs> coach in Little League, and Cooper Jarman. Yeah. There's something about what? Vegas. We talked about it last time, but now you. This is more than any other city in America. Yeah. On your roster. Yeah. Is that Vegas still turning them out. Yeah. No. 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 Hundred percent. They've been doing. You know. They've been having volleyball at those schools. Palo Verde. Sure. You know. Centennial. They've had great. They've you know, great athletes in Vegas and it's yeah. seems to be grown in Vegas, right. you know, grows and grows. And so, uh, we had Jackson Fife actually, he was one of those three substitutions. Oh, he that, was? Uh, yeah. You know, I guess with him, excuse me, libero, you don't have to do an official sub. I think I threw four. Let me think one, two, three, four, four new guys, four new guys, but, but the, the libero, you do not have to officially sub. They wear right. that Jersey. He can just go in at any time between rallies. Fife, 100% was a massive part of that change. And he's doing it every day in practice. And we've been playing another libero. And, and Jackson's, uh, he is like the, hands down, the greatest kid to have on the team. 
Barna. He is just an outstanding young man. I don't know what his mom, da- mom and dad did, but they should write the book as it <laughs> relates to parenting. That kid looks you in the eye, shakes your hand. He knows when to go reach out to a kid that needs a, an arm around the shoulder. He knows how to interact with his teammates. And that, again, is the Puka Nakua thing. Like, guys yeah. want to be around him. They want to be around him. Yep. You know, I don't know the Taylor parents, but I know the five parents. I know well, the Brady you know, parents. Okay, you know, know the, the five Germans. Parents? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. know the Brady parents. Like, like in fact, uh, um, he was in my I, when I was serving up on campus in a bishopric. Brady was in my ward. What a great kid! Yeah, yeah, so, awesome kid, yeah. awesome family. Anyway, we're glad you have Vegas kids yeah, on there. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Let's talk about the schedule you got coming up. We'll finish up with the head coach. Uh, thanks for being here. Oh yeah, yeah. So I know we're yeah. in the season and oh. all that stuff, but awesome, awesome. You hit the road for Santa Barbara Friday and Saturday, and then. Quickly, after you get a day off Sunday, and then Monday, yeah. Tuesday with Princeton on BYU TV. That's it's unique to have an Ivy Very League unique. school here Very on unique. a Monday, Tuesday, and that's yes, and that's that, cool. And, and that's you know they reached out to me and they said uh, they're the the way their calendar goes. I don't think they start school till a little later. So he does this every year. He just he's been on the road. Princeton's been on the road since uh, last not Sunday yesterday because today's Monday, right? <laughs> so yeah. so the previous Sunday. He said, you know, text me, Sean, we're heading out. They will not go home to the East Coast until after their match here. Oh, so wow. they've been playing Irvine. They've played. They'll, they'll stay in California. And so he reached out to me and just said, hey, Sean, what do you think? You know, I know it's outside the box. And I was like, let's do it. And I had to call BYU and go, you know, our, our admin. Because sure. Monday nights is, yeah. like, they, 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 they traditionally. But now with. The move to the Big 12, we're seeing more and more. We had soccer yeah. games on Monday. Yeah. Hey, what? there's not a better thing to do on Monday night than oh, take your family to a game. And BYU was awesome about it. They yeah. didn't think twice about it. They were like, great. And it, it is unique. And guys, this is going to be something we have never done. I just, today at practice, that was my spiel. Gentlemen, here we go. This is the most unique two weeks we've ever been in. Because we're going to go on the road to Santa Barbara. we got to come back, not even be able to practice. Not on Sunday, yeah. We can't practice. We can't do anything. I can't have film. I can't do anything. It's a dead day. It's Not only is it Sunday at BYU, but for an athlete, right? You have to have a down day. Yeah, and and that's that's a big part of it as well. So you're Mm -hmm. you're right. But we can't do anything. I can't do film. I can't do team meetings. I can't do... So we're going to come back and essentially play Monday, Tuesday. And then we're going to go Wednesday, Thursday, and we got a top five team in Irvine coming to Provo right, right. Friday, Saturday. It's so a, you have a pretty month, wild. You yeah, do have a month-long good. homestand, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's so the genius so you got, of you got the Irvine strategy. Well, on the 26th you know, and 27th. Who gets to be at home a whole yeah. month? And wow, then, then, yeah. then Long Island on February 8th and 10th. They're going to make yeah. a trek out. Grand Canyon is a really good program. Yep. The 16th Very and good. 17th of Very February. Good. And then... You cap that home standoff with number one UCLA coming into the house. Uh, are they going to still be? Are they good uh, enough to still be number one when they come in? Yeah, yeah, they? yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. Like the last, UC, the last UCLA <laughs> team that I remember coming into Provo number one was women's soccer this fall. Oh, yeah, the women took care of them. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, they're good. They, you know, they returned almost. I think everybody from that lineup that won the national championship uh, last year, which yeah. is great. That's exciting. Yeah, that's fun. So, that's is, fun. It, is it more beneficial to have one, two, three, four, five matches or opponents at home over that month, maybe six? But then you go to Stanford, Pepperdine, get Concordia at home, and then at USC. Is Stanford, Pepperdine, and USC, are they as tough as they've been in the past? Yes, Stanford's undefeated. USC's undefeated. So is that brutal? You I mean, get, yeah. It, get, but that's the MPSF. It's, it's yeah. like the big, big 12. Yeah. I was asking, you know, I ran in, uh, I was on the phone 
with Santiago, I ran into him and I couldn't remember. And man, uh, props, by the way, to our basketball program. Come on. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're like, playing phenomenal. Yeah. I remember, you know, my neighbors or my f- colleagues, I mean, we're down at BYU. I'm not going to lie. Like, out of all the teams, it's like, hmm, man, basketball is going to the, the buzz it, It's the biggest right? jump. Right. And so, guys, that's uh, credit to the, the guys, the coaches, Pope. Like, that's unbelievable because, man, Ah. They're playing fearless, and they're yeah, and, and they're more talented than people give them credit for. Mark went and assembled exactly. a really group of long exactly, and, and Dave and I experienced this during the preseason, when when opposing coaches were coming in, we'd sit down with the opposing coach, and they go, "Well, first off, man, these guys are so long and so athletic. I mean, they're a typical Power Five conference team, yeah. and we yeah. and we keep looking at each other, going, they are, aren't they? Like they have length, and they can, they're athletic, and they can shoot it, and they mm-hmm. can." Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot about it. They've done a phenomenal job. And, hey, in this league, yeah. you, you don't have to win all you the go, games. You go no. nine and, like, Kansas won the league last year and, and was one of the teams that people thought could win a national championship. And they lost five games in conference. Yeah. And that's, that's how good the conference so is. So that's what I'm getting at. Talking with Brian, I'm like, man, they've done so cool. And I'm so excited. And, you know, they, their, their first Big 12 game, I think they lost. And it was, but it was like, hey, now, all right, now we're, this is what is anticipated. I mean, you guys got, I, I didn't even realize you got Iowa State here tomorrow night. Like, yeah, they're, what? They're number ten. <laughs> that's what I'm that. saying. It's top ten gonna have a shot. We're gonna have a great shot, guys. Actually, Mark my words. Nine, I think yeah. today. we're gonna fill it up, and I promise you, we're gonna have a killer shot. But here's what I'm saying: is Pope that day in and day out. It's very similar in our conference. So and you've been doing this for a number of years in this yeah, conference. Yeah, right. when they start complaining the coaches' meetings, I put my feet up on the table. <laughs> I take my shoes and socks off, <laughs> you and I'm like, guys, gosh. I, Feel bad Todd, for you. What are you guys complaining well, we, about? We've been talking about that a lot this last year. Because we always talk about men's volleyball and we say, you know, all teams going to the Big 12, of course, except for men's volleyball, who are already in the best league yeah. in volleyball. 100%. There's no question that the MPSF is the elite league in men's volleyball, right? Yep, 100%. And, and, and so, I've, like I said last year, my, it, the message does not change. Tom Homo, Brian Santiago, Liz, Shane Reese, President Reese. I, I, I know him as Shane, and uh, I, there's funny stories, but we don't have time. And I've known <laughs> oh, Shane no, for we a got long time. time. <laughs> I've known Shane for a long time, and so I, I screenshotted a few of uh, he, he and I our messages from like 10, 15 years ago, um, and when he got elect or not elected, excuse me, appointed, appointed. right? Yeah. and I was like. Hey, uh, probably shouldn't expect to get any messages. And they were bad. They were just, they were, they were like, you know, like good buddies, right? Yeah, right. Like, hey, hook me up with that. You know, like, you're my guy, that kind of thing. But we are not on an island of our own. We're every bit a part of what is going on, the movement towards the Big 12. And that's meant a lot to my guys. That's meant a lot to all of us. And they've approached that the right way. And guys, I don't want to be in the, like, I'll go to LA and Malibu. How about that? Like yeah. you guys, you know, I'm not going to, your recruiting so, bases. Yeah. Southern Nevada, California, yep. Hawaii. Yep. I mean, you get kids from wherever they're at in the yeah, world and it's international yeah. as well. But, but really you got a lot of kids that want to stay close to 100%, home with, with, 100%. Their, with their schedule yep. in this league. Yep. All right. Two last questions. Kay. We're going to bring in on our question of the week. Uh, but let's finish with this one in, in regards to the volleyball. This is Smithfield house. What is it that makes it such a magical place for volleyball it used to be the basketball venue back yeah. in the day yeah but it is it is it feels volleyball it looks volleyball it the team plays great there what what is it what's the magic you know i 
I wish I could give you the perfect answer, but I think what's most important is uh, giving credit where credit is due. And those are two things. Um, Carl established something very, very exciting to go and participate in and, and not taking away from basketball at that time when, you know, the early nineties, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, there might've been a couple one in 30 seasons in there for basketball. There if I'm not mistaken, was one. if I'm yeah. not mistaken, but so Carl just put out an unbelievable product. You've got, look at the dynamics of the BYU campus. There is a lot of students from California, sure. from Orange County, from the San Diego, from the LA area. But this is what I want to say is it was the community. Like they're here. Like those fans, I tell our guys all the time, guys, have you ever like sat and looked at the people that are buying your season tickets? Have you guys, you know, cause yeah. I have, and I go, man, that person's been here when I was playing. Yeah. I remember that person in that seat every Friday and Saturday night. So I can't, I can't thank the community enough. Right. And, and it'd be wrong of me to just say it's this or that. And there's a feel like you are there. There's a feel to that place. And when it gets rocking, it's unbelievable. Oh, it's, and we, we talk about it all the time in the show. If you, we told folks when we were talking about you coming on last week and again this week, if you haven't gone to a men's volleyball game in the field, you got to go. Oh, missing out. Because it, it it's not just a great men's volleyball experience. It's a great college athletics experience. It really is something yeah. special. And people so. might get mad at me, but I've been, I, I, I don't think I'll get in trouble. You know, years and years ago, I was, I was asked by an administrator, I won't say if it was the president or vice president of BYU, about a facility, about this. This was years ago, so nobody needs to start spreading rumors everywhere. That, right, right. And I just, I looked them square in the eyes and I said, I don't want to leave. Yeah. You know, what's your input, Sean, on this? And I said, I'd rather stay. Let's and I know that doing. I don't control that. And they're, you know, the Big 12 and facilities, I get all that. But man, I would do anything I could to... How about you just do one thing? How about you do, you get an international squad coming in and you do an exhibition in the Marriott Center and then just see how many people you can get in. Are you, uh, yeah, I man. Right, I, so it wouldn't count against who, your record. No, who was it that set the man, record, okay. women's record in yeah, Nebraska? That was next level. <laughs> that was crazy. But, but it's Nebraska. There's so, nothing else so, going on. Guys, guys, Carl did it. They played Long Beach State. And it was 1999, and they set the NCAA men's volleyball attendance record. I, 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 I could get, be mistaken, but it was something like 12,000 at the time, which is a lot for yeah, men's right, volleyball. Right. Carl, that year, was 30-1. and one. <laughs> And that was it. Yeah. Where did that one I come know. from, guys? Oh, my goodness. Get back to, to the field house, no, baby. It was at the Marriott Center. Yeah. Against yeah. Long Beach State. <laughs> no. Now, listen. I'm playing. I am playing. In 2003... We were probably number one or number two. You know, that year we went to the mm -hmm. finals. We have Hawaii here. And we had, had a great vibe, so people want to be a part of it. And they, did, they, in the middle of the year, decided to put it in the Marriott Center. We win night one against Hawaii. Friday night. We go to the Marriott Center. We break Carl's record, or that 99 team's record. It was awesome. It was rocking. We lost. No. So, I, so that's why no. I'm saying exhibition. Yeah. Okay, exhibition. All right. I, I missed that. How much fun let's we could have? Let's just do an exhibition. An exhibition against a foreign tra a touring that's team. That's true. Just that's true. to see, because now we're in in 2024, and and uh, your team fills the place. Yeah, every that's night. That's true. That's true. And it would give a chance for just you know, if the whole student body showed up. Oh, yeah. You know, it's. Uh, 
Good point. Anyway. Good point. So exhibition. an exhibition. There we go. Is that, uh, I like that. An exhibition against an international tra traveling team, and let's just like pack 20 grand, 20,000. There you go. A lot of comments 19, on our I live stream. Good. Michael writes in, as amazing as the BYU athletes are, they would not be that way without the amazing coaches and staff well, at BYU. Michael. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I mean, I got to speak last week up in Salt Lake with Jen Rockwood and I just was like, I was, you know, she's sitting with me and Jen, that's probably my coachest, uh, or closest, excuse me, um, you know, person in the athletic department. Yeah. She coached my wife. And so I told the story, I said, you know, in, in 2000, year 2000, I was so afraid of Jen Rockwood because I was trying to date her little cute little blonde defender. Yeah. And oh man, I was so afraid of Jen. And you know, Jen's just out there. And I just said, guys, now she's like my best friend. Yes. She's come on the show a couple times. And she's really fun. Oh, we she's always, we amazing. Always, we, we, we grill her. We're like, how, she just says, guys, I'm just going to say it. Like, she's not afraid of it. She's like, oh, yeah. our bar is we want to compete for a national championship yeah. every year. Like, we were asked her, how are you going to transition to the Big 12? Fine. We're going to go win. The, we're going to go try to win the conference. Come on. Like, because her whole deal is we are going to compete for national championships every year and we're going to own it. Yeah. And I love that. Well, she yeah. just put five players in the yeah. women's national soccer league. I think it was that night she was telling me. We were talking during the lunch before we both spoke. And she was like, I, I think she said, I'm hopeful four or five. And so it's not just Jen, but, you know, two weeks ago, that big snowstorm came in. And I had, to leave my, I had to leave my house really early in the morning. So I yelled at my son. You know, not yelled. I said, hey, buddy, keep the walks clear of the snow for mom and the driveway. I get a video that day. And my son was out there. But guess who was right side by side with him? Yeah. Chase Roberts. Chase Roberts. Because he's my neighbor. He lives right in front of us. That's and awesome. And so I text Kalani. Kalani. I send the video to Kalani. And Kalani immediately responds, Sean, man, aren't we just blessed? And what great kids. And so you're right, great coaches. And I can go on and on about yeah. every one of Bruce. Bruce is my guy. And, and DJ, we were on the phone today when I was leaving the office calling Diljeet and, and my sister. You know, my right. sister and on and on and on. Yep. Yeah. And you're, hey, you, you, talked, you talked her into coming on the show with us. And she was awesome on the show. We're like, come on. You, you should have brought me. You know, you, know. Need, you needed to have I me. Know. You know what? I know. She was great, though. Before she was really next good. season, before her next season. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. Yeah, let's, let's bring you both on. August. It'd be fun. We'd let's love go. That. We'll have a good time, and I'll be able to get her to, you know, uh, I'll put her in the uh, the spots where she's got to laugh and just go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my she, brother, she was Sean. She won't know she what to on, say. But I think she came on and was just like, <laughs> I don't know about these guys. But then we had a great time. All right. Here's the Cougar Board question of the week. Yeah. If you're not familiar with Cougar Board, it's the largest online community of BYU fans with thousands of posts daily. This question comes from one of their insider subscribers, user Dilbert. And we thought it applied to you, too, so we wanted to bring you in on it. Okay. Um, Dilbert writes, it was kind of funny seeing Mark Pope take out his frustration on that water bottle in the <laughs> Baylor game, giving, giving Greg Rubel and Mark Durant a little shower. Um, what is the craziest or funniest thing you guys have seen on the sideline from a coach or player during a game? So let me ask oh, you, what's gosh. the craziest thing you've done as a coach on the sideline? Or, or as a player that you saw your coach do. We talked about that. You know, here, like, that's what he did. Yeah, he and, just um, hit it. And so our guys were actually joking about that. And so the guys asked me, have you broken anything? And I said, I, I've broken a clipboard, but it wasn't out of, it was like my own clipboard. And I was, gosh, you know, just, yeah. and it was just not well made. And so it just snapped. I didn't chuck it. I've never done that. But um, I, this weekend, there's, uh, I... Yeah, I, I couldn't get up 
fast enough. And so they, the play was coming. It was a playable ball by our guys off the block. So one of our big guys, Trent, he's 6'9". He's a mm-hmm. bulldozer. He's coming right at me. And I, so I tried to push the chairs. And I just went head over. I just went back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I just flew right over. Um, and someone sent me. I could, I could pull that up right now because it was literally just the other day that someone. <laughs> so he sent you right the there. video? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there you go. So uh, let's see. All right, I'll give the play-by-play in your microphone. All right, sorry about that. So yeah. there, you can see. I'll I'll rewind it again. Oh, so yeah, you yeah. got Trent. All these texts. Come on, people. So there I am, right there. So there you go. <laughs> so on the podcast, uh, if just envision the coach getting wiped yeah. out. He needs to send it. Well, what we're doing. So it's it. good. It's good. And, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Like beyond that, um, just the typical things, I guess. Yeah. You yeah. know, nothing, nothing wild and crazy that I can recall. Dave Rose had a jacket removal. Back in the WCC that. tournament, yeah. that uh, record setting, record yeah. setting that has not been matched. Yeah. Nobody's I ever taken a jacket off that fast in the history. Yeah, when of we get home from church on Sunday, that jacket comes <laughs> off pretty fast. But it is impossible <laughs> to do it as fast as he does. No, so that's my, good. My, my my crazy one was I was doing I was doing a I was doing a national game for a network and I, and I was doing a game at Air Force, mm-hmm. and Joe Scott was the head coach. Remember this story, Dave? Joe Scott was the he head spoke, coach. He uh, spoke. He talked like a sailor. He, he was. Joe oh. Scott was just like, like he did not hold back with his language, and he admits it, and he's reformed. But um, and it, just to set the thing, the Air Force, they didn't have a big crowd. Nobody the was there. It's awfully the time, quiet they, in those it games. It got better. Yeah. Clune Arena got better. But we have this great time, microphones. It was like, awfully quiet. There's like very few people there. Oh and no! They, and they made our position. Our position. Oh no! On the scores table was right next to Joe. And so I would always get really nervous. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. It's too quiet in here. I don't like being next to Joe. Like, he can hear everything I'm saying. Uh-huh, I don't like uh-huh, that he can hear uh-huh. what I'm saying, right? So I'm trying to talk in hushed tones. There's no, they're not playing well. And they, they, I think they're playing San Diego State. And San Diego State goes down, and they run down, and they get a run out. And then they steal the ball, and they run down, and they get a run out. Like, four plays in a row, they get laid. Oh, layups. my gosh. And Air Force's guys... They're not even trying to get back and play defense. So I say as quiet as I can say, I'm like, I'm like, hey, it's 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 apparent that Joe Scott's about to go out of his mind because these guys aren't even making an effort to get back. I say it just quiet like this. Oh They're not even gosh. making an effort to get back and play defense the last four times down the floor. He calls a timeout, immediate calls a oh, timeout. No. And they come over and he huddles the team up right in front of us. But it's not immediate timeout, so we're still on the air. And just at the top of his lungs, he's like, even expletive Blaine sitting right here behind me knows oh, no. that you guys are oh, dogging no. it out there. Oh, You're no. absolutely dogging it. And he just pointed it out on television. Oh, I love and, it. And the producer in my ear goes, did he just say expletive Blaine? And I go, yes, he did. Yes, yeah. he did. Like I put the top back. I go, yes, he did. Yeah. And he goes, wow, that just went out over the air. There we and, go. And then, and, so, and then he sent him back out and he sat down and they had a timeout. And he looks. He comes over. And he goes, "Hey, I'm really sorry about that." I go, "Joe, that went out on the air." He's like, "Oh, dude, I'm sorry about that." He he was a really nice guy, but he'd get he'd get in these games and it'd become oh, this he thing. Would, yeah. He would, it would tell him, "Look, you can't you can't talk like that." Yeah, I, uh, I you can't scream I will that share, right into I will our share mic. one story, and I won't say who, and I'll be quick. <laughs> it was in the Smithfield House. Imagine one of the best crowds ever. I mean, because it was. And it was a rockin'. And the team that came in here, I'll just say they were probably one or two at the time. Oh. We were probably three or four. And so it was just rockin'. 
rocking, rocking. And this, we had really, really good team. I, I, I won't give away too much. It was one of the teams that competed for a national championship. I'll say that. And if you give us enough clues, we're going to figure it out. Yeah, you guys can get it. But some fans brought these like spinning wheels. Like pinwheels? Yeah, but they're just holding them and spinning it, which I, I don't know. Like, I'll be honest. I don't know if those are against the rules or allowed. It seems like yeah, they're in the rock yeah. at basketball games. Okay. Stuff so, like that. so they're doing that. No big deal. And this coach, you guys, he's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> he's he's going to pass out. His players didn't know what was going on because he was just... The veins are popping, popping out on his forehead. So, so in the middle of the match, I've, this is something I appreciate you guys because uh, it's a cool story. So, dude, you guys bringing this up. I walk over. I don't call time. I literally walk over to him. Nobody knows what's going on. Everyone's looking at like, what the fuck? Like, why are you going on? to talk to this Is there going to be a fight? He's <laughs> like, and I walk over to him and I put my arms on his shoulders and I go, dude, take a deep breath. <laughs> Breathe in. Hey, are you going to be like, what, what do you need? Like in the heat of the competition, some people might go, oh, you're a, you're a wimp. Why'd you do that? But I was like, no, no, no. This guy is going to die. He's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> We're not going to make it through this match. And I told him, I said, dude, what do you need? What do you want me to do, man? Calm. Like take a deep. I told him to his face, take a deep breath, man. What do you need? What do you need? <laughs> and I went over there. I said, hey, get those out of there. Get the, just take the pinwheels out. We're done. And but yeah, so did, did he wow. survive? He survived. He survived. He said he Wait, wouldn't did, have. He did, wouldn't did have. After the game, did he go? Hey, thanks no, for doing that. No, because yeah, don't I? Because you beat I, him. I, I can't. I'm glad he didn't question. take a swing gonna, at you. I'm Sometimes coaches are nah. beat him. You but beat I him. walked over there in the middle of the match, and everyone like is our guys, their guys. What is going on? What's going on? So that's because Sean knows two things. Sean did not want him to have a medical event there because that was not going to be good. No. And the second thing is, Sean knew they were going to spank him in this match, and he wanted the guy to have no excuses. There you go. Yeah, Sean you go. Olmstead, the humanitarian. <laughs> yes. Uh, and very successful volleyball coach. Good luck, Santa Barbara. Thank you. Are, Thank are you, you going to go back in the old neighborhood? when you? Uh, yeah, I think I'll take the team. I think we've got a meal plan down in Carpinteria. Um, awesome. I think we're doing lunch there when we get there. And then because we don't practice till that evening on the court in, uh, in Rob Jim, one of the most beautiful places in the world, Santa Barbara, yeah, that's uh, awesome. hands down. So. You, you, uh, um, you haven't changed any of your five questions. Like, we, we oh. don't do a second. Like, like, you haven't changed your breakfast cereal, have you? No. Cin no. I think yeah. it was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. okay. We, 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 yeah. We'll I, I just want to make sure that. that you're still staying true to who you oh, are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yep. Uh, Monday night, a week from tonight, will be family home evening at the Smithfield House against the Princeton, Princeton Tigers. Live yep. on BYU TV with Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale, and uh, the spotlight will be on the coach. They're so just getting going with their home schedule. It is the, it's the what do we call it, the hottest ticket on campus? Yep. And if you want to show. see them be a bunch of smart guys, come next Monday. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Hey, and anytime. I, what's in that oh, box? Yeah. So what brought, is in that oh, box? I, brought, yeah. I don't even know. Like, I've got a wonderful director is of like a job rushing. Yeah. No, is I this, just think it's like gear a, that she brought. Like, oh my volleyball goodness. stuff. Volleyball, sweatshirt. Stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, so oh, you guys nice. do with it. We got, yeah, it's just volleyball stuff. You guys figure this. out what you want to do with it. And uh, that is cool. Whoever gets it, gets it. I come to matches. That's a great stuff. You know what I come? You know where I sit? Do you know where I sit? I sit right behind the service line. Okay. Right where, where Bruce Nilsson. I always yeah, sit yeah, right yeah. next You're to Bruce Nilsson. Okay. Bruce okay. is one of the most loyal oh, fans Bruce. ever. Unreal. Yeah. And Unreal. He, and he, he cracks me up. Like, <laughs> like my wife's like, honey, is it embarrassing? I'm like, no, no, it's hilarious. Oh, it's enjoyable. Because he's not mean. He stands behind him. He's like, 
Oh my gosh. The net looks like it just went up to 13 feet. It just looks like it's 13 feet. It's exactly that. But do you know how many times he's been at Q? And it's just funny because it's like, you guys, he has been here again since I played. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't say any, like, it was just good fun. Like, and he he says stuff like, they call a timeout and they're down. Whatever you do. Do not focus on the guy in the white hat with the mustache in the third row. Do not focus on him while you're serving, or you'll serve like Gosh, whatever you do, don't think about that. Gosh, that's what he says. Your coach just called a timeout. This must be so much pressure (laughs) that it's now on you to come out of this timeout and make this serve. And people will talk with him. Yeah, Yeah. and he cracks me. He actually cracks me up. But I know he takes their focus away. Which is what a great fan does, right? That's part of your home court advantage, I, right? I will say, this is it. I share things that uh, hopefully people enjoy. Maybe I give some insight. Oh, yeah. We had a team last year. We had a team last year, a good team. They were ranked probably at the time in the top seven or six. Good team. And they tried to stop. We, it went five sets. We, we won. Um, they tried to stop and get our personnel to get involved and I kid you not, it, the coach said, these guys are really distracting. And so Tom Homo <laughs> called me that night and he's like, hey, Sean, I just want to let you know that everything's good. You know, if you hear something, because it wasn't, hey, something really, really bad or, right. or pushing the banner against their distracting. feet. No, no, no. The coach literally said that. And it was like, isn't that the whole point of a home what, field why, why do yeah. at a basketball game? Why do we <laughs> so, put our student section behind the basket that the visiting team has to shoot in in the second, in the second half, half. Yep. and right by their bench? And I always have appreciated, even when I was playing, going to a visiting, when the fans do the research, I always appreciated oh, the yeah. spectrum in oh, Logan. Yeah. Utah State fans. I, I worked there. Game, I go to those games. They, I worked there. And, I and they I would. It. And they would. Oh, so good. It, as long as they didn't cross over the line, mm-hmm. they were just creative, and they would. I would act. I would enjoy it yeah. as a player. I'd be like, 100%. "Oh my gosh, this is. These guys have put in some work. This is awesome yep. Yep. stuff." We, we right? So there's my props for Bruce. Let me yeah, get that good. in there. He's yeah. um, he's awesome. We yeah, he's, he's, he's very thoughtful with his yeah. with his way he distracts. Yep. This is awesome stuff. By some the way, fans Sean. before Thanks, one of our Big yeah. Twelve football games, uh, they were here to go to their first game at the football stadium, and, and I was talking yes. to them about what they could expect. Uh, you know, they were overcome by the mountains and everything. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. said, well, here's the thing. The crowd's going to be into it. Um, they, they love it. They'll get after, uh, they'll make more noise. And there's a really good chance you're not going to hear a single swear word tonight. Yeah. And they're yeah. just oh, like, yeah. 100%. What? 100%. And then it's true. Yeah. And, oh, and by the way, they're all sober. Yeah. And 100%. <laughs> welcome to our world. Yes. And uh, it's awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Hey, I... I'm going to do something else. What? I literally just took the tag off this today. Um, so I'm going to leave this hoodie. Oh, I man. Well, hey, We're going to freeze this. on the way it's home. It's six degrees outside. Th- None of my car's right there. Come on. Well, it is you right know, there. I'm going to get, I literally took the tag off this because on Friday, uh, Thursday night, we had a cool thing. We had a ton of these fans that came. Yeah. BYU fans to Chicago. And there was just one fan and I could, he's holding up Y flag and. I'm walking out, and I took off that sweatshirt. So this is brand new. I took the Nike tag off minutes before I got in my car because I needed to get another hoodie I gave. But <laughs> there, yeah. I love this hoodie. We just got I love this. how it has the VB on the side. I'm going to leave it for – you guys can Rochambeau or whatever. Well, it's an XL. 
That's awesome. Or we give it to a fan. Yeah. Hey, should we should we give it to a fan? No, let's keep it for okay. ourselves. <laughs> crazy? There you go. What are we talking about but, here? Uh, yeah. That's I, awesome. I, I love this. I love that on the shoulder, the so shoulder patch. I, I do want to take credit that I designed this hoodie. I just yes. love that. that old t- school. What, it's old school. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the, what I wore school. back in the old days, so, right? But they, we just don't do that anymore. So yeah. I was so pumped when we got those. So there you go. Whoever oh, thanks, for awesome of you. thanks for coming uh, and, and spending a lot of time with us tonight. And we, in, we well, excited season, to have you back. which is just above and beyond, Sean. We love it. You guys are amazing. We love following the team. And we, awesome. we love supporting that team. Okay, we'll see you with your tan home from Santa Barbara uh, Monday. Hopefully not tan. Hey, hey, we got work to do, and uh, the guys know that. That's the rules. We'll we'll put our toes in the water, and then we'll get back look, to work. You don't have to be out that long to get a tan. No, that's true. That's Just true. make sure, since we're not going to get any tans up here, get know. something. <laughs> with this base, I don't need a sunburn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, be careful with that. Yeah. Sean Olmstead, head Sean. volleyball coach on the Wise Guys. Uh, Thank you, just guys. great. Thanks. And you can just yeah put the headphones okay. on and walk out of Go here. Go Kooks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Okay. Santa Barbara this weekend and then Princeton Monday and, and Tuesday. All the gear right They're here, home baby. for like a month and a half. So the, the Smithfield House is where you want to go for a, an opportunity to experience men's volleyball. Next week, Gary Bohannon, the new quarterback in town. We've yeah. with us Jeff Chapman, Mark Durant. Tyler Haas, Gordon Eakin, the softball coach, and Jerem Jordan will wrap up January for us. We've got an awesome slate of guests, um, as we always do here on The Wise Guys. I know we're late in the show, but let's do something. There's so much going on on campus. Let's see how fast we can do yeah, this. Yeah, this is going to be speed. And by the way, somebody asked a little while ago, he said, hey, can you go through that again, what the ESPN predictor, matchup predictor? I'm going to do that in less than 30 seconds. You're on the clock. So... The, the ESPN predictor Talking still, about men's basketball? Men's basketball okay. still has the only losses for BYU for the re- through the rest of the season at Texas Tech, Houston at home, at Oklahoma, at Kansas, and at Iowa State. So the ESPN predictor has them going 11-7 and seven in the league. Wow. I would be thrilled with seven and eleven in the league. I would too. But 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 somebody said, "Can you do that again?" That was that was good for me. That made me feel good. So I'm, I'm letting you know that every other game they have them winning. Um, and so eleven and seven is what ESPN is predicting right now with their matchup predictor. So there you go. Tuesday night, tomorrow night, Iowa State at the Marriott Center, six o'clock. The pregame show on BYU TV, seven o'clock tip on ESPN Plus. Cyclones are thirteen and three. Also, they're two and one in the league. Just beat number two Houston last week. Number twenty four in today's AP Top twenty five. Number twelve in the Ken Palm. Number nine in the net. Yeah, this, this is two top ten one. net teams. Like that's amazing. Two top ten net teams playing in the Marriott Center. Like we, we all need to be there. All right, we're on the we're on the clock now. Okay, campus so campus notes. notes. Women's. Let's start with women's hoops. Okay. Eleven and seven right now. One and four in league. Um, hey, they got their first Big Twelve win. They defeated Cincinnati sixty eight fifty eight on Saturday for the first Big Twelve win. I texted uh, Amber Whiting after and congratulated her. The first of many, but yes. she was really relieved because. It's a tough road, and yes. and they're undersized. they got good guards that are going to grow. They're young. They've, they've got a tough road ahead. But yeah, they hey, got Kaylee Wilson had 12 points. Uh, Lauren Gustin, 11 points and 9 rebounds. And uh, only 14, 14 uh, turnovers. Down 11 from that Houston game when they had 26 turnovers. Yeah, that was too many. Yeah. This week, they're at Oklahoma State on Wednesday, January 17th, 5.30, Mountain Time on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. And again, Saturday, they're home against Texas Tech. That's at 4 Mountain 
Mountain Time on ESPN Plus. Kristen Kozlowski and I will be on the yeah, call. Yeah, you got on that, that one. one so. And also on BYU Radio. So, hey, how about BYU Baseball, January 18th? That's a Thursday. That first pitch dinner, the fundraiser that we talked about with uh, Coach Pratt at the, at the Provo Marriott, due to a health issue, Justin Sua is not going to be the keynote speaker. Um, instead, it'll be former BYU baseball player, former football player, and current Minnesota Viking quarterback, Jaron Hall. How about that? Uh, That's going to be awesome. Yeah, a guy that hit... Didn't he hit a grand slam against Utah in baseball? I think he did. Um, he hit a home run know. for sure. He hit a home run. Against Utah. But uh, uh, Minnesota Vikings quarterback Jaron Hall will be the keynote speaker, which will be really fun. We had Trent Pratt on last week. You can find that interview at wiseguys.com. And sports camps at byu.edu. I don't know if there are any tickets available, but that's where you can go to yep. find some. Track and field, Aiden Turner ran the first wow. sub-four mile in the history of the Smith Fieldhouse. Junior from Provo ran it in 359.2. He's going to be on Sports Nation tomorrow. That's one fast mile. They, just, they just keep rolling them out, man. They just keep rolling out great distance runners. It's unbelievable. How about Cougars in the NFL? This is a little shorter list because we're in the playoffs now. But uh, Fred Warner was named first team All-Pro. Not a surprise. Best linebacker in the National Football League. And how about Puka Nakua? Not only doing everything, um, like things that no rookie's ever done, he was second team All-Pro. We're not talking about to the Pro Bowl. We're talking about second-team All-Pro, one of the top four receivers in the National Football League. So good. So good. Uh, we mentioned earlier the Rams fell short in the playoffs. Puka had a record-setting uh, game. Andy Reid and the Chiefs, they beat the Dolphins in the Ice Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so his, his mustache froze. Froze completely. Yeah. But it's since thought. Uh, and they and look good. They're going to play the Bills. Uh, in round two. Yeah, so it's the battle of the freezing places. So, because the Bills didn't look very warm tonight. Uh, Sione Takitaki season came to an end. The Texans beat the Browns 45 14. At one point, Cleveland led 14 to 10. Then they got uh, smoked. Yeah, Takitaki had uh, three tackles, but man, they just ran away from him. How about Zane Anderson? Two solo tackles and the Packers blowout win at Dallas 48 32. So, Zane is into the second round. Yeah, and. and how about Jordan Love, Utah he State? Was great. Utah State guy, so he's got some Utah ties. Wow, he played great for the Packers. Uh, Zane and the Packers play Fred and the 49ers. Yeah, this, this may weekend. end for the Packers this week because <laughs> the 49ers are pretty dang good. Um, other three games: um, Chiefs versus uh, Ravens or Texans. The, Let's see. Some of those the Eagles are playing now, yeah, and Eagles that's going right to determine now. what's going on in the right. NFC. And uh, the Chiefs are playing the Bills, so I think the Ravens. Play the Texans. Yeah. But uh, no Cougars yep. in that yep. one. So, um, women's soccer. Uh, how about, we talked about this a little earlier with Sean, um, but the National Women's Soccer League draft, five players drafted from BYU. That's a program record. Uh, Brecken Mazinga, fourth overall pick to the Utah Royals, getting to stay home. Olivia Smith-Griffiths, 20th pick to the Utah Royals, so staying home. Um, Olivia Wade-Katoa, 23rd pick to Portland. Jamie Shepard, the 30th pick to Bay FC. And then uh, Lavani Vaca, 55th pick to Bay FC. That's a great haul. Yeah, right wow. There. Five. Interesting football notes since we were last together. Alabama coach Nick Saban announced his retirement. He's 72, seven national championships, wow. six with the Crimson Tide. Never coached against BYU in all those years. Uh, will there be ever, will there ever be another Nick Saban? I don't know, but coaches don't stay around long enough. I mean, yeah. look, we'll look at the... Domino effect of what's going on with DeBeer from Washington right. now moving to Bama, Arizona's coach moving. I just don't know if anybody can do what Nick Saban did. Um, he, he may be the last of a of a great generation. Jed Fish was the Arizona coach. He's left to become the Washington coach. 
that's good because Arizona's got to figure it out. And now he and his staff, and I imagine a bunch of his players are going to Washington. I would, I would think so. And that means they won't be at Lavelle Edwards Stadium when Arizona comes this fall. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I, I, I literally, we talked about this earlier, but I was thinking Arizona might be my pick to win the league next year, but right. not now. We'll see. Maybe, but I, I think that that's just too disruptive. So On this day, on January 15th, 1797, the first top hat is worn by John Etherington of London. Changed the world. And that's who to blame. John Etherington. For why we have to wear hat. Who do we blame for the tie? Because I'm tired of that. <laughs> we'll find out. Necktie. Whoever Today's invented the, the necktie, hat. I'm not happy about. 1844, University of Notre Dame receives its charter from the state of Indiana. 1844. 1870, the donkey is introduced as the symbol of the Democratic Party. Why? Today. Of all the animals, I don't know why they picked the donkey. Isn't that the most stubborn animal in the world? The Republicans went with the elephant. Yeah, who knows why. 1892 on this day. The first basketball rules are published in Triangle Magazine by James Naismith. That's the day we we found the rules. From Kansas, by the way. The Big 12 invented basketball. 1932 on this day, a record two inches of snow falls in Los Angeles, and they all survived. Yeah, they lived. It's a miracle. 1964, Willie Mays becomes baseball's highest paid player. At $105,000 per season. And he was rolling in it. And what's Otani making now? $70 million yeah. this season. Yeah. $70 million compared to 105000 That's how life's changed in baseball. That's covering more than just the cost of inflation. That's all I have to say. 1967 on this day, the first Super Bowl. The Packers beat the Chiefs 35-10. to 10. Bart Starr is the MVP. Yep. And then 1974... One of the shows my family watched together all the time, Happy Days, premieres on ABC, The Fonz, That's Arthur Fonzarelli. Loved it, loved it. Richie Cunningham. 2009 on this day, the miracle on the Hudson. Chelsea Sullenberger lands U.S. Airways Flight 1549 on the Hudson River after a, the plane was uh, hit by a flock of birds. Yeah. After taking off from LaGuardia, lost engine power in both engines, and he had nowhere else to go but on the... Have you, seen, have you seen that movie, Sully? No, but I heard it's great. Oh, my goodness. It's riveting. and it's Tom it's Hanks very, plays Sully. It's very telling. It makes you kind of mad at the Federal Aviation Administration and how they investigated that thing. But, but Sully's a hero, true hero. How about January 15th birthdays? In 1412, and by the way, last, last week or the week before, I was seeing all kinds of buildings built in 1412. Yeah. It was, it was Joan of Arc's birthday on January 15th, 1412. 1929, Martin Luther King Jr. Today is Martin Luther King Day around yes, the country. It is. 1979, Drew Brees, quarterback fame. You know what I like about States? him? He was good. But what I like is how nice he was to Taysom Hill. Yeah, he was nice to everybody. Drew yeah. Brees is a, a true good guy. Taysom used to babysit his kids. Yep. And yep. so, and, hey, I know you're the backup. Can you watch my kids this weekend? Yeah. I don't know how that all worked out, but Taysom's always had good things to say about Drew Brees. And, and we're going to finish, of course, with... Our wise guys, inspirational quote of the week from Dr. Martin Luther King. Of course, we're going to do it with Dr. Martin Luther King. And, and I love this. One of my favorites of, of, of Dr. King. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Dr. King, that's well said. Yep. Applies to so it many applies things. applies today as much as it did back in those days. We thank Eric Mika and Sean Olmstead, our guests tonight. Next week, Gary Bohannon, Jeff Chapman, and Mark Durant. There'll be football, and there'll be basketball. We'll also keep you up to date on all the things going on on campus. I'm going to see you on Sports Nation for the next three mornings. Blaine will see you tomorrow night on the pregame show on BYU TV yep. at 6 Mountain. Iowa State. Ahead of Iowa State. So we got a busy we'll week. We'll see you all in those places, and then we'll see you back here next Monday night for Family Night with Blaine and Dave. Podcast is up tomorrow. Check it out. Share it with your friends. Tell everybody where the wise guys 
can be found. We'd appreciate that. We'll come up with some good stuff and, and see you again next week. I'm Dave McCann. That's Blaine Fowler. We're the Wise Guys. Thank you for hanging out with us. See you.